passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our AEW Revolution Review. I'm John Pollock, coming at you with waiting. Uh, welcome, John. Yes, um, thank you for the time cue. I'm here. I'm getting cues. I've got to <laughs> wait. The final moments that we will always remember of uh, Sting's last moments on a broadcast as an active performer. Print it on a T-shirt. Um, etch it into, uh, you know, a, a plaque. Uh, words to live by. On a serious note, do you feel that more time should have been allotted for the post-match? Uh, j- just knowing that that was, for a lot of people, probably what they were looking forward to hearing from the guy afterwards. When you're booking him to go over in such a way, um, you know, do you think that the show should have been structured to have a bit more... Uh, padding at the end of it rather than this hard out that i don't think anyone would have been complaining about getting a lengthy speech from sting at the end perhaps i mean how long was this window four hours you know i mean is it is it possible to to go more than that um i i mean who's to say that they didn't and that they didn't structure the show so that he could have i don't know a 10 minute gap to be able to speak Things change, you know, on live television and who knows what what they were up against by the time they got to it. But I'm sure like we'll get the video at some point, you know, maybe make it an attraction for Dynamite on Wednesday. Well, we are going to get into the show. How do you feel about Sunday night pay-per-views after we got through uh, Saturday morning last week? I think I'll take Saturday morning anytime. Uh, the Saturday morning might be preferable for for our lives, but I mean, this is what we're used to, isn't it? Well, get ready because AEW is only adding the pay-per-views to them. And they announced a crowd of 16,878 at the Greensboro Coliseum, which is probably dead on to what it was. The last update from WrestleTix was just over 16,000 tickets out. So the fact they gave out that number that was so close, I'm thinking this is probably right on in terms of uh, what was in the building, was not the all-time record at the Greensboro Coliseum, that would still belong to a WWF Unforgiven pay-per-view show from April of 1998, which a lot of it was the staging, but they got uh, 21,427 into the building and over 20,200 paid for that particular show as well. There were also a ton of complaints during the beginning portion uh, from Bleacher Report users in the U.S. to the point that uh, Tony Khan did address them, and I guess they got things. I know I was in uh, contact with Andrew Thompson, who was having all kinds of problems during the pay per view opener, but then things seemed to be rectified by the Danielson Kingston match. But they announced Tony Khan announced during the show that they cleared the pay per view to be available on Fight TV as well as Bleacher Report for people that wanted to grab the pay per view and. I mean, that was interesting in and of itself. This is not the first time you have heard, heard problems with Bleacher Report. And 
I would say generally, I, I mean, you and I have probably watched every AEW pay-per-view on fight TV and Mm -hmm. I can't remember any, any notable problems. I mean, other than maybe the odd buffering here or there, but I mean, I experienced nothing tonight. I've never had issues. And yeah. I mean, usually when I hear about these sort of issues, unfortunately, it's due to uh, people having whatever access issues on Bleacher Report. Um, it's Bleacher I, Report and it's ESPN Plus for these UFC pay-per-views. Those are the yeah. ones I hear nonstop problems with. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to encounter those. Um, it's obviously super frustrating for a fan. And uh, the fact that they were able to get U.S. clearance for another carrier, I think, speaks volumes. Well, what can you do if, you know, you're you're interrupting your own business? Um, they, they This was a backup move that they really had to kind of let people let, let AEW and Tony Khan implement. Right. Um, certainly maybe calls to attention. Listen, they're going to be sticking with Bleacher Report. They are with, you know, fully with with Time Warner. And this this is sort of their vehicle. But there, there you are could also of- order the pay-per-views I noticed in on youtube as well for this one mm-hmm. but but you know it, it of course it, it calls the question um what are what's being put into place so this doesn't happen in the future um maybe on a more positive note does it tell you the amount of interest that might possibly be there for this pay-per-view that might cause an incident like this i i think whatever people's projections were for the pay-per-view i think that there was so much um hype for the show in the last 24 hours i mean today if you were scrolling through twitter like it was every wrestler and fan with like it was free promotion of sting throughout the day and i did put up a poll uh asking people the range of buys they saw them doing anywhere from 130 to over 180 and the majority that 31 percent basically had it in the range of 160 to 180 which would be a, a very good number especially if they're on the upper end of that if they're above 180, I think this is a really, really great sign. Do you do you have any difference since we talked about Friday night of where this pay-per-view ends up seeing the the last minute hype throughout the day and a really terrific countdown show that they produced mm. on Friday night? I just don't know how many people saw it. I'm gonna say over 180. Yeah. It just feels that way to me. You know, like I mean, if if the last time um AEW hit these numbers with was with the CM Punk, it feels to and me all in last year. All in last year. I mean, it feels to me like it could be um, of a similar level of hype. I mean, it's one of those things where you might, you know, your interest might 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 not be there it, even like in the week prior to it. But by the time the moment comes, you're seeing on your timeline, everybody's talking about this. It might be a last minute decision for a lot of people. And I could see that. I could see the show doing incredibly well. The pre-show included David Crockett brought to the Greensboro Coliseum, reunited with Tony Schiavone. They stated many luminaries are here for Sting. Um, there may have been many luminaries. We certainly didn't see many luminaries. We saw some luminaries there. Well, okay, what's many? You know, would you consider David Crockett, um, Flair, Steamboat, Nikita Koloff, um, uh, uh, Scotty Riggs? Okay, Scotty Riggs luminary. Uh, who was the other person um, that was sitting with them? It was uh it was Nikita Koloff, Magnum TA. Magnum, yes. Yeah. That's that's many, okay. Okay. <laughs> we we never did see Luger, did we? Because Luger had said he was gonna be attending this, but we never saw I him. don't recall Luger myself. No. So um uh, the highlight was uh, David Crockett uh referring to the opponents of Sting and Darby as the young blucks, and he said, and he caught himself. He's like, I'm calling them the young blucks because and like Tony said, because they're blucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes they're lucky 
<laughs> Listen, man, he caught himself at least. It'd be one thing if he actually thought their names were the Young Blocks. We all make mistakes, okay? Wasn't Man he tried Captain to America? The young Blocks? Blucky. Blucky. <laughs> so the... Uh, the Winter we, Soldier, Blucky. Yes. We kick things off with the Bang Bang Scissor Gang against Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, Private Party, and like Willie Mack just like wandered into this. They explain on commentary that um, Private Party have been auditioning third members, and I guess Willie Mack happens to be um, oh. the current person. That they had an extremely private party with Willie Mack, and thus he is aligned with Private Party. Well, listen, I, I mean, if, if if Kate from Montreal and John Cena aren't aware of why Willie Mack is a part of this, then I know that they haven't really done much explanation at all on any of their television. So uh, whatever. Max Caster continues to mess up his rap. This is an awesome character. I love this development for Max Caster. I think this is <laughs> this is like it's so great. I love it. I think it's their way of trying to um own, you know, um a mistake. Um it's genius. Yeah. I mean, you just 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 take the L, okay, as the kids say and just move on from it. I don't think this is really doing anything. I mean, maybe it, it, we have to maybe see how it plays out, you know, because they are obviously telling a long-term story of um these two a teams splitting up anymore. Okay. <laughs> well, we they've yet to explain a reason why he's messing up and maybe they'll get to that eventually. We've got months left. The highlight of this match, I can't say there was a ton of it, but it was Jeff Jarrett doing the Fargo strut, and then we zoom out, and the whole team, including Sutnam Singh, are yeah. doing the Fargo strut. Sutnam Singh, okay, we, we see in this match, man is very limited physically, but certainly not when it comes to the strut. This man should be doing a strut in every Jeff Jarrett match, and they should be few and far between these matches. Charismatically, I think he's excellent. You know, and, and I really do feel like he's somebody they should be taking more advantage of in that department. Um, I you, you know what he doesn't need to be doing, though, is uh, taking famousers. OK, that that might be where we, we decide, you know what, this is probably not not for the best. He, he took a terrible one here. Um, anyway, this is uh, Jarrett pulled out Bowens from the floor um, after this uh, arrival mic drop spot. And then Jay White at the end gets the Blade Runner. Onto Willie Mack and Jay White pins him. So that was the role Willie Mack played. He was the one to take the fall here. We can't we can't be sacrificing Jay Lethal or uh, Mark Quinn. So Willie Mack took the fall. Twelve minutes and twenty four seconds. Uh, some rough parts into this match, but it was a warm up, and I did enjoy the strut. But uh, I, I'm not going to be telling anyone to uh, sit down, pull out your pen, and write home about this match. No, no. Um, <laughs> what is your family? Mean? Went to Greensboro Coliseum, and boy, I saw the greatest 12-man tag. Yeah, not even worth a text, I would say, this one. But, I mean, it was an okay showcase for the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Like, they are one of the featured acts right now, at least on Collision. And um, uh, you have a free spot. Why don't you put them on? Um, I agree, some messy spots here. But pretty good reactions, though, overall for Billy Gunn and Jay White's hot tags. And um, we'll see if Willie Mack gets that third spot. The purpose of this was Jay White afterwards cutting a promo and just putting over Greensboro as one of his favorite cities and like runs down the card. He was like playing RJ city here, but then noted that he is the leader of the bang, bang scissor gang. And on March 13th, maybe he'll be handling some big business of his own as DT is for not this week, but the following week for the Boston show. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this, this would have been a good opportunity to, for him to actually call out the opponent. Right. I mean, maybe they want to save it for dynamite. That that's fine. Um, but um, who do you think it is? I think it's going to be um, Bart Gunn. 
Mm, okay. Uncle Bart. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, sure. Listen, Sting's out. Time for Bart's the Mark Gunn retirement. Yeah. That's it. Come on. Lexi Nair is with the best friends in Orange Cassidy and Doc Sampson, the most unique doctor in professional wrestling, who explains that Orange Cassidy has to tape up his ribs and his back <laughs> or else he isn't cleared. Is this grounds for like malpractice? You know, like is this at the least? Of... <laughs> this would be like, okay, way you've got a broken leg. If you want to enter this jujitsu tournament, you've got to wear a cast or else you're not cleared with your broken leg. Thank All you, right. Doc. Yeah. Uh, can I tape up my broken leg? Is that good enough? Yes. This is all. <laughs> this is also the man that uh, would have been. Hey, what what are you? What are your thoughts about glass, in general? Um, upper debate, I suppose. Yeah, is it real or is it not? Uh, obviously, you know, rib injury. Um, perfect setup for, of course, the opponent. It was the whole story of the match, which is to come. Mm. But then. The best friends note that they have Orange Cassidy's back, but Cassidy wants them to stay in the back tonight because he's tired of his friends getting hurt. And Chuck Taylor steps up. I'll make sure we stay in the back. Which would beg the question if this is going to fuel the Trent turn. Okay, our biggest motivator when it comes to a man being upset in pro wrestling, making me travel when I don't need to. And Trent came all the way here to Greensboro to be in Orange Cassidy's corner. And he was told, Go check out the catering. I hear it's pretty nice tonight for Sting's retirement. Well, I'm sure he um, enjoyed the show. That it's worth it just being there. Do you know what was uh, uh, what was taking place at the Greensboro Coliseum on Saturday night? According to a uh, uh, Braden doing some uh, some research, downstate in concert. <laughs> Even better in concert, Donald Trump. Oh, okay. And I don't want to give uh, any wrestling websites an easy headline, but. Sting outdrew Donald Trump by like 10,000 people. And I'm pretty sure the Trump rally wasn't charging admission. <laughs> so that was yes. a big draw. The, um, yeah. What does that say? We then go to uh, this amazing vignette on pack, the forgotten bastard. And he's asking, where have I been? None of your pissing business where I've been. Who said life's not hard. Everyone has a struggle. And knows the burden of shame. You'll never get rid of me, Tony Khan. I'm like a little cockroach. And I will be back soon and drag this company into a new age. Doesn't it feel good to be alive? All this while he's laughing maniacally. I would be happy if this guy had visa issues to just send these in every other week. I would listen to this guy every other week just talking about anything. Go through the newspaper and pick out a headline and talk about it. This was an amazing vignette and... I mean, you. one of the themes of this year is going to be just how loaded this roster is. And when you have a pack that we're not even thinking about and you throw him into the mix on top of things, it's just a unbelievable depth level. Well, it means there's a chance he might continue to be a forgotten bastard after a few months. That's what it means. I mean, it's it's hard to get airtime in AEW these days. Um, I mean, this bodes well the fact that he had, you know, a video all to himself. Um We've we've had a lot of this, you know, high quality video production from Pack before, and um, I'm still waiting for like his his run. You know what I mean? Like he's had a great trios run with the Death Death Triangle. This seems to uh, hint towards maybe a singles run, but I feel like we've yet to really see him as a featured player um, in the main event level. Is this going to be it, or are these like I you know is his 
distance from from um i guess regular sort of full-time well that's what i mean yeah like from regular full-time sort of activity with AEW, going to always kind of put him into this space well now he's got a flight partner okay him him and will can grab airline tickets together and they have they're travel partners now does that uh, add incentive for him to come over more often you think it depends Hmm. depends how 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 well they get along on the plane right i mean that that small talk could run yeah. run dry quickly. Julia Hart and Sky Blue against Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander. That was added on Friday. The crowd is singing along with Julia Hart's theme and Stokely Hathaway is on commentary. So they're double teaming Willow for a long period of time. And then Chris gets the tag and delivers a... Uh, she ends up sweeping Sky Blue's leg, which inadvertently leads her to flatline her own partner really frustrating whenever that happens when you're holding somebody and then you accidentally give them a flatliner. So there's a chaos theory onto blue and then hearts tagged in sliding D from behind. Uh, and then we have uh, willow uh, go for the babe with the power bomb that is countered by heart into a power bomb, but sky blue is the legal woman. So heart then lands the moonsault press willows in to make the save. And then after willow avoids the code blue nails her with a pounce and she goes flying and hits the babe with the power bomb to pin blue in 13 minutes and 32 seconds. I thought this one, you could have shaved off some of the time. I did feel this one overstayed its welcome at a point, but um, more so the, the middle portion, but the end, they certainly got the people with, with the pounce spot and then the babe with the power bomb for the baby face victory. I thought there were some blemishes in this one too, primarily with um, um, sequences involving Willow and Julia Hart. Um, now it's worth noting that this is Julia Hart's first match since coming back from an undisclosed injury in mid January. So we don't really know the extent of what, what that damage was, uh, nor it was the rough looking power slam that Willow went to deliver and just, they were just off with the timing of it. Yeah. But like, you know, you give somebody leeway when they're just kind of coming back from, from injury. I would say overall, I enjoyed the match just due to the chemistry of the, the four characters here. They're four of the strongest AEW originals in your mid card right now um, in their women's division. And they are actually one of the few women um, that actually have a long running storyline. So um, that engaged me enough. I thought Statlander was looking awesome. I think her confidence and charisma have like just come a huge way since their, her pre-injury run. And I thought her offense looked very heavy, very convincing and now that julie hart is back i'm assuming we are going to arrive at some sort of resolution towards this stokely hathaway you know um uh chris statlander willow thing maybe this will eventually morph into the the bleacher report championship um so the matches get interrupted and you don't see them. there's constant interference and sometimes <laughs> the match just ends prematurely without a finish and then uh, all of a sudden it turns into a Fight TV championship match. Well, Fight TV comes in to restart the match. Right. On to the pay-per-view proper. And kicking things off is the TNT championship match with Christian Cage with the Patriarchy defending against Daniel Garcia. And we saw many performers with Sting tributes, beginning with Daniel Garcia with this jacket with scorpions all over it. I don't know mm-hmm. how much um, use you're going to get out of this jacket beyond one night, but maybe Daniel Garcia, you know, walking around downtown Buffalo. This will be, you know, a Friday night look. I don't know what the kids are wearing these days. I mean, this would probably fit in uh, anywhere. Sure. So a lot of this focused on Christian um, having his ankle damaged and selling it early on. He pretends to have the ankle injury and goads in Garcia and lands the cheap shot. But then Garcia attacks the ankle and even applies the ankle lock, which they tie into him learning from Jake Hager. 
the art of the ankle lock. So Cage, throughout the rest of the match, he would like collapse at different points. He would do that spot where he was going to slingshot himself over the top to the floor, but gives up on it knowing that the ankle hurts. So it was a, a constant focus here. And Cage is in control for quite a bit here. And he's talking trash to Garcia when uh, Nick Wayne gets uh, runs at Garcia and gets back body dropped into the timekeepers area. And he's fighting back, puts Cage's head or his turtleneck over top of his head and is firing off strikes at him. And then Garcia gets catapulted into the buckle and kill switch choke slams Garcia behind referee Aubrey Edwards back leading to a frog splash and Garcia kicks out with the near fall. Killswitch is furious that this did not end the match. So Matt Menard shows up attacking Killswitch. Shayna Wayne goes to slap Menard, but he stops her and then fights with Killswitch up the ramp and away. That sets up a spear by Cage, but as he's going for the spear, the ankle gives out. Garcia hits a pile driver, and when Cage kicks out, it is the last possible second, and the whole crowd thought it was over. They're chanting, that was three. It was just a really good kickout spot with with Christian. And then Garcia goes for the jackknife cover. Cage grabs the rope. And out of nowhere comes Nick Wayne with a cutter through the ropes. And that leads to the kill switch. And Cage retains in 16 minutes and 50 seconds. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a very well-worked match overall. You know, it was Garcia more so working a, a conservative, more of an old school style based around psychology and crowd work, which Christian has really kind of like owned as um, something that makes him unique uh, among this very young and very athletic AEW roster. But what Christian does incredibly well is to is these very well-told stories, well-paced matches that really maximize all the activity that somebody does. And it made Garcia look really good, giving, giving him two very big near falls here. I didn't really love a lot of the patriarchy run-ins. I didn't think that they were like as well executed. Um, for one thing, I don't really feel like a daddy magic should be enough to push back and send out of the arena somebody who's supposed to be an enforcer in a giant like a kill switch that was um not that great i didn't think the um the the, the wayne's world looked that great on on, on the uh, apron either but it did not detract from the quality of the match overall and i i would say overall they got a lot more out of this like throwaway match because we're all waiting for christian versus copeland um they got a lot more out of this than i was expecting and i think that speaks, speaks to how how much the crowd wants to see more of daniel garcia yeah, I like the match as well. I mean, I didn't even have too much of a problem with the uh, the with 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 the way they executed the the, the finish as I would for a, a later match. But overall, I thought that it was a crowd that was very heated for the big near fall spots, getting behind Garcia. Nothing with Adam Copeland in in the match, and kind of didn't make sense if this was what your end result was going to be. Um, the, the only I think that there was at least some doubt if. Do Christian and Copeland need this title to be feuding over if you could get it on to a Garcia? But obviously they they like this belt with Christian and for the follow up match with Adam Copeland that is probably coming up soon. I would argue, yes. I mean, that that that's Copeland's whole thing, right? He he wants to win gold and specifically he wants to take Christian's gold. You know, they they, they already feuded over it and Christian are, stole it from from him. Right. So seems to be part of the story. And we'll see if we get that match for Toronto. So Nick Wayne got involved in the finish of that match, but you don't have to let your location interfere with your viewing options. Tell us more, Way. 
It is 2024, and tracking technology from advertisers, ISPs, and hackers is getting more sophisticated than many of us can understand. Something you can do to give yourself a bit more peace of mind this year is to protect your browsing by investing in a trusted VPN like NordVPN. Voted Best VPN for Privacy of 2023 by Security.org, Nord is one of the most established and reputable VPN providers in the field. NordVPN is also something I use every day to access geo-blocked online streaming services like AEW+. By far the best way of watching AEW programming commercial-free with on-demand access to AEW's entire TV archive. But perhaps the most value I've gained from using Nord has been the ability to unlock cheaper prices online content from other parts of the world. And from now until March 20th, when you sign up at NordVPN.com slash postwrestling, receive four bonus months at discount pricing on all two-year plans. Plus, users in the U.S., Canada, U.K., and Australia receive an Uber Eats voucher valued from $10 to $30 with their standard, plus, complete, or ultimate plan. Again, that's NordVPN.com slash postwrestling. Sign up for as low as $2.91 a month and enjoy some free Uber Eats, along with all the benefits of a premium VPN like Nord's. I really should have reshot that one specifically for tonight um, because you, I think a lot of people could have used um, maybe um, uh, access to fight. Pissed off with your U.S. Yeah. online provider? We've got the answer for you. Lexi Nair was in the back. Uh, these were really cool. They had Lexi uh, setting the stage with Danielson, like shadow boxing and warming up in the back. And then Renee with Kingston getting ready. Very just uh different uh mm -hmm. just a different type of presentation here very much in the style that you'll see like a megan olivi do on a ufc broadcast yes really cool and, and and um it's you know not only is it does it more call towards the sort of sports like presentation that i think these two specifically seem to usher in um you know stemming from the co co uh, what is it continental classic um, it's a good place to remind you what the main storyline points are, you know, heading into the match. We know that uh, Eddie Kingston is trying to get revenge for his mentor, Jun Akiyama. And we know that Brian Danielson is out to make Eddie Kingston tap out. These are the Coles notes of everything boiled down to two sentences and you get it from the two hosts right here. So they are out immediately. There are back and forth chance and these would continue throughout the match of let's go Eddie let's go Brian and Danielson is early on going after the hand of Eddie Kingston and he would isolate the arm stomping on, on the elbow of, of Danielson or sorry of Kingston and this would play into so much of his offense and then setting up the label lock as he's extending the injured right arm and this would also impact Eddie Kingston when he would go for his offense such as the hurricane with the injured right hand as well and Kingston eventually lands the hurricane and he's selling the hand that he's you know utilizing to try and finish off Danielson and then manages a northern lights bomb for a two count and Danielson comes out of the corner walks into another hurricane but Kingston is too hurt to knock him down so Danielson kicks out the hand and lands a busaiku for the first big near fall of the match and then applies the triangle instantly calling back to the dynamite six man on Wednesday while bending the injured hand and Kingston keeps his hand up, gets to the rope. The crowd is chanting more. And then they get into this procession of suplexes with both men down at the end of it. And the crowd getting to their feet. Kingston lands some Kawada kicks. Danielson slaps him viciously. And then Kingston fights back, but with his left hand, the good one, the Busaiku gets stopped with a left arm lariat 
and powerbomb to pin Danielson in 19 minutes and 45 seconds. Afterward, Kingston is looking at Danielson and he goes to leave. Doesn't think Danielson's going to live up to his end of the bargain. But Danielson tells him to wait, puts out his hand, then pulls it back. But then he's just kidding. He shakes Eddie Kingston's hand, raises his arm and leads a chant of Eddie because his respect has finally been gained. And I love this match. I thought it was outstanding. The crowd was into this for the whole thing. I love the stuff with the hand and Kingston tailoring his offense around the hand as well. Very simple finish at the end and just utilizing like the the left side of his body for the end here against Danielson. And at the end of it, you got this whole kind of progression of Eddie Kingston that, you know, he had the respect of John Moxley. He begrudgingly got it from Claudio when he beat him for the ROH title at Arthur Ashe. And now you've got Danielson's respect as well. So all that's left is Wheeler Yuta, the, the, I mean, the real end game here. I mean, Wembley Stadium is Wembley Stadium for a reason, <laughs> right? Okay. This was an excellent, excellent pro awesome. wrestling match. You know, uh, I thought in particular, Eddie selling was outstanding in this match. You can really follow the entire progression of the match through the state of his right arm as it got progressively worse and worse. He has this great wince that's not too over the top, but enough to make you like em- empathize with the pain that he's going through. Um, there are so many great t- details like Eddie just even wincing as he's pulling his straps down over his arm in order to just kind of like tell Brian, hey, hit, hit, kick me in the arm as hard as you can. I'm going to show you I can take it. All in the name of, you know, proving that he he's not a bum. I guess I guess not being a bum means, you know, you can take a lot of pain. Um, so this the was... Universal signal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I think, tremendous storytelling by the end of it um, in, in over the course of however many months this has spanned. But uh, f- this feels like a very satisfying, conclusive resolution to this constant teasing of... Eddie Kingston's um, self-confidence from Brian Danielson. So it felt real. Another highlight, I would say, in the incredible sort of uh, final full-time run of Brian Danielson's career. I mean, look at the body of work this man has produced over the past, I don't know, month? six, eight months. Just, yeah, even the last month. So, yeah, this was a tremendous match. I thought this pay-per-view was off to a very good start with these these two matches. Mm-hmm. And we go to – and another note is, like, man – we always talk about the WWE shows and the pacing and like last weekend show, there was not a prayer. I was waking up at 5 AM to start a WWE show, knowing that I could wake up two hours later and I'll probably be caught up this show. They barely let you even like go to the bathroom in between these matches. It was boom, 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 because they had nine matches on this pay-per-view. They were not going to shortchange anyone. And like we had a lot of long matches and there was there was no dead time on the show at all. It was match, maybe like some spots in between and boom, entrance again, like no wasted time. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily going to say that that's always a good thing. You know, um, I mean, you can definitely argue that having too much dead time is a bad thing. But I often think having the sort of peaks and valleys might actually create a more sort of, um, I don't know, um, um, I, uh, you know, a satisfying, um, maybe viewing experience rather than having boom, 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 high, 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 high. Um, but you know, like we know the pace of these Tony Khan shows, they are like kind of like 
bang for your buck. And I, I'm not speaking about the main event. You know, I'm 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 just speaking about like he's gonna cram as much stuff in there as possible, belt to belt in ring action. So you know what you're gonna get. And if you're uh anybody who takes notes for this, you're um you're you're hopefully prepared for that too. You gotta be ready. You gotta do a workout like pretty much a month in advance. The all-star eight-man scramble, Chris Jericho, Wardlow. Powerhouse Hobbs, Hook, Brian Cage, Magnus, and Dante Martin, and Lance Archer. Taz is on commentary for this one, and Jake Roberts is out with Lance Archer. Brian Cage out with a sting face paint as well. And we start things off with the big guys getting rid of the small guys. So we have Wardlow, Hobbs, Cage, and Archer in the ring, and they just started like taking turns posing and allowing the crowd to chant meet. So every time they made contact, the crowd yelled meet. Then the smaller guys, relatively, the vegetables, the vegetables came out to eliminate the meat. And then they tried to do like Jericho was posing. This was not getting over too. Well. I don't know what the hell they were trying here. Now, for, for, for first of all, it's like I understand like the meat thing was opening. Th- this was was great. I mean, they, they had promised meat madness here, and this felt like a great way to at least deliver a partial um meat well they, match. tony Khan did explain there wasn't enough protein and thus meat madness is on the shelf until the, later i mean for the, these four i thought was plenty you know i i mean you know to, to satisfy um i i would say most most meat lovers um but i don't understand like putting doing that first and getting the crowd so hyped and then having the four smaller guys in there to replicate similar spots because i think what, they were really hoping for a crowd that was going to find this hilarious and well, just keep, keep keep running the joke and chant meat for them too and it fell flat yeah i just i i think that's too much of the crowd to to to, to expect of the crowd because like what, what what would the crowd have chanted um and why would they have chanted meat and beyond that it was not well executed it felt like dante martin for whatever reason was really lost and Overall, it just didn't really come together, at least that portion. This this had its issues in the first half. Things turned it turned into like a actual match afterwards where we kind of played to everyone's strengths. Um, this included um a blackout to Magnus, which is uh, stopped by Jericho, and then the double vertical to Archer, leading to uh, Magnus and Jericho hitting stereo lion salts onto Lance Archer. Wardlow's in with a series of Germans and then goes to pow- a pow- on a power bomb to Brian Cage, but Hook leaps onto the back of Wardlow with Red Rum, and with Red Rum applied, Jericho applies the walls while Hook's got Red Rum applied to Wardlow, and then Cage breaks them all up. We had some interaction with Hook and Jericho, with Jericho selling for Hook, taking the Northern Lights. Hobbs then runs Jericho on the floor, and we see like this just crop of dust come up, and it's the fog machine water is what was explained and apparently this reeked because like two matches later taz was still complaining about the smell of this water i i believe it was the actual machine that he used to attack him well i'm going by what taz told me okay so whatever he used here um so it created the smoke effect and uh poof went Hobbs because we never saw him again. Wardlow power bombs Brian Cage. Dante then rolls up Wardlow for a two count, but then Wardlow gets rid of Hook. Last ride delivered to Dante and Wardlow wins in 16 minutes and 22 seconds and therefore he will get an AEW title shot. 
I thought it ended up being a really fun, like how many eight men scramble match here, and yes. I, I, I thought they they delivered again like enough of the meat to leave you satisfied. I thought all the meat dudes did really well here. You know, it was all set up for Wardlow, of course, but I'm I'm always impressed by like Archer, Cage, and Hobbs, and I think. Actually, I, I like all three even more than Wardlow, and all of them did really well here. Jericho seemed to introduce a lot of really great ideas and creativity into the match. Although Jericho's the- always got some like unique ideas. Like the double lion salt spot, mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. He did quite a bit here for Hook, like took all of his suplexes and uh, s- stuff like that. And, you know, and added star power to this match. Like I would say beyond him, it was really him, Hobbs, and Wardlow that people were, were looking at, but it gave you another option of a person to win this yeah but unfortunately dante martin might have had like one of the most off nights i've ever seen of him in his AEW run so far like oh uh, man the dive to the floor man he he went for the like the springboard and caught he caught his foot on the top rope he's lucky he was okay from it and just rolled over because that could have been much worse at the speed he was going at yeah, yeah. I mean, people get tripped up all the time, but rarely do you see Dante Martin get tripped up like this, you know, and it wasn't just one. It was like three of them, three of them. And it, and perhaps it was one of those things where like the first one kind of affects your confidence and you're just overthinking the rest. Who knows? Right. Um, but everybody has off nights. It's just rare to see Dante Martin have these. And um, I was looking forward to Dante in this match in particular because you have like these giant bases that he doesn't always get to work with that I thought you could come up with some really cool stuff with Dante here as your flyer um, Mm -hmm. and Magnus too for, for that matter. We've seen enough of Dante Martin to know that this is no indication of his usual output. So I'm I'm sure he'd be hard on himself, but um, I, you know, like even in the rest of this match, I thought he appeared perfectly fine. Orange Cassidy and Roderick Strong was next for the AEW International Championship. And uh, Roderick Strong comes out in a mask and a record for regrowing a mustache because on Wednesday, uh, they taped Collision. So last night, he had no mustache on the tape show. Tonight, back. Uh, Interesting. Wow. Pretty impressive. Cassidy's ribs are all taped up. That means he's cleared. And Strong goes after the ribs, the big target, and drops him on the barricade. This whole match was about destroying the ribs of Orange Cassidy. And Taz notes that when your ribs are hurt, it affects your breathing. And a lesson for everyone out there, he says, if you can't breathe, you can't fight. And that is accurate. You cannot fight if you can't breathe. I don't know if you can do many things. Strong is kicking at him with like the limp kicks and then Cassie just collapses after avoiding yet another chop that Strong was delivering. Hits him with this beautiful looking gut buster right over his knee. Then the end of heartache gets countered with the stun dog and Strong immediately goes back to the ribs. This sets up the stronghold. Everything is affecting the ribs and Cassidy finally kicks him off and makes his comeback, including a Panama sunrise that Strong was in position for. Cassidy then eats a knee, catches him with the orange punch, tries to lift him for the beach break, but he collapses. And this was a tremendous spot for the story of this match because he collapses with the ribs giving out and then has to hold him up to finally hit the beach break. But his foot gets on the rope. So Cassidy is getting out of the corner and out of nowhere is blasted with another knee and he hits the end of heartache and Roderick Strong wins in 12 minutes and 44 seconds it really came out of nowhere but i kind of like the simplicity of this finish and the fact that we could have a heel win without needing to do a bunch of run-ins from Taven and bennett we have to protect a guy 
it was like he was hurt and the whole match was built around that. And I like the fact that this AEW, they typically will lean a lot on interference when a baby face is losing. And I like that they got away from that from this one. I really like the finish and I had no problems with it whatsoever um, because I felt it was really earned here. I mean, no, like you didn't even get a kick out. You didn't even get a false finish. And you're talking about Orange Cassidy here who, you know, last time he had a similar type of like um, title changing match. They kind of gave him everything in the main event. Um, but I don't think that was necessary here because for one thing, we already saw that orange story. But for for another, they did such a great job of having Roderick Strong destroy this man's back right like i thought again cassidy's selling was so good here he made strong's usual offense look amazing every move that cassidy took to his back felt like a gunshot and that's due to i think the great storytelling that that they established thanks to doc samson and his uh very lax medical practices and great selling from orange cassidy and of course it's also due to roderick strong's like i don't know 20 plus years of honing this like back targeting move move set of his that's just uh, outstanding um because of the whole best friend sort of like uh thing that they teased earlier i thought for sure we were going to get interference but it was as clean as um it could be and it, it you know seemed like the the intent is to make roderick strong and by extension the undisputed kingdom feel like a bit more of a legitimate threat and i think you needed a strong win here uh no pun intended so you had the title win Taven and bennett are in hoisting up roderick strong when all of a sudden Kyle O'Reilly appears in the ring and he's looking all menacing. So you don't know what his allegiance is or is not, but then he just breaks into this big smile, hugs Roderick and they present him with an undisputed kingdom shirt. He hands the shirt back and then he leans in and whispers into Roderick's ear. You're not here. You're not going to headline WrestleMania. I am. (laughs) And uh, he walks off. And it leaves Undisputed Kingdom confused. Kyle O'Reilly has been out since June of 2022. So this has wow. been a very long, uh, you know, that he's been out from for neck fusion surgery. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and some tears in his eyes, it looks like. It looked like, you know, as he, as he was walking up the ramp. And I mean, it, that could be due to, I think, acting. But I think more likely, it there's probably some very real emotion um, just simply for being able to announce that he's back coming off of you know an injury as severe as that right so i'm sure he he felt all sorts of emotions just kind of being out here they're um like i think we all expected kyle o'reilly to, to join with this group but the fact that they're kind of delaying it and ma- telling a longer story maybe even keeping kyle o'reilly as a baby face to oppose the undisputed kingdom makes this a bit more interesting and certainly puts kyle o'reilly in a more higher you know ranking spot than just another member of, of this group yeah i mean this was a Nice surprise on the pay-per-view. And this is a guy that's kept an exceptionally low profile for these nearly two years that he's been out, like not the most uh, public figure either. So I'm sure that there is a lot of um, story that he can share about his time away and weaving it into this story, which I would say this is the most interest you have in this group period uh, since it's been formed. Now that you have, you know, a pretty, solid champion and Roderick strong. You're still waiting on Adam Cole, but now you have this element of the story on top of it. There's at least some, some interest that I can't say there was going into this. Paper. I feel Kyle like works a bit better, at least to be as a baby face anyway. And, and we've seen these guys team up so much. Maybe it's finally time to tell that story of them being apart. John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli against FTR. 
or should we say the Road Warriors against the Midnight Express? It was a uh, Stark 86 here as Claudio and John Moxley came out with the Road Warriors spiked shoulder pads into the Greensboro Coliseum. And every like little child's um, dress up, I'm sure, who might have been a wrestling fan at that time. Yeah, this is a uh, this is quite the look. Got a big reaction. I mean, if you're going to wear Warriors, uh, Road Warriors shoulder pads, it would be in the Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah, it certainly could. Shivani compares John Moxley to Dean Martin for how cool he is and just doesn't give a damn. And Taz reminds him, yeah, well, Dean Martin was always drunk. And uh, Tony Shivani's like, yeah, that's true. And um, Taz and says, I can still smell that fog machine. And this is bothering him. So they beat on Cash Wheeler for an inordinate amount of time, including uh, uh, getting run into the uh, into the crowd where Moxley attacks him. And then Dax is brought in and he is sent into the post. And this was a hell of a post shot because he comes up and the man is about to need a blood transfusion. He is just a faucet here. And so they continue here. There's an assisted air raid crash by the BCC onto Dax. A lot of blood is coming out of this man's forehead. And they go for the spike pile driver, but instead, uh, Cash hits the tope suicide onto Claudio. Mox then kicks out. And Moxley then lifts Dax as Claudio scales to the top and they hit a European uppercut doomsday device. This got an insane reaction. Awesome appropriately so the shatter machine gets blocked by claudio and then it's moxie with the cutter giant swing to dax and then dax kicks out after he's tossed they close in on moxley biting dax's wound he's got his teeth like right on the cut um thankfully nigel wasn't on commentary i don't know he might he might have had the same reaction when mariah may blew him a kiss on collision <laughs> nigel's had to call um some very bloody matches already in this one is what you're signing up for in this company so the shatter machine is hit to Moxley, but Claudio yanks Dax to the floor, breaking it up. Then we get a we get Cash going for this insane tope suicida and is nailed in midair with a European uppercut by Claudio, followed by the neutralizer. Dax hits a pile driver to Claudio on the floor. Dax returns to the ring, and the sequence with Moxley ends with a paradigm shift, but counters with a backslide for a two count. Moxley locks in a choke. Claudio locks in a choke on Cash, and then. Uh, Dax basically goes out as Paul Turner lifts the arm. It's limp and the match ends at 21 minutes and 47 seconds. They did not shake hands, but they all locked eyes. And we are to believe that that means they respect each other. Is that what, is that what that means? That's when you stare at someone long enough. That's what it means. Interesting. Okay. Another great uh, match on a, oh, a show full of them so far. Marvelous, marvelous match from beginning to end. I, I actually thought this match was for what they set out to do completely perfect. They had for, a lot for all of this about the twenty minute time limit. They went they went twenty one forty seven. That's all they needed. They just needed another two minutes. One extra minute. That would, went that the, would determine the winner. Yeah, I thought they had a lot of very ambitious, like fast paced sequences here that required like picture perfect timing and execution. And they and they did. Was anyone better than Claudio in this match? Oh, he was at another level, dude. He was a standout. Yeah, I agree. Um, this might be my favorite pairing in the BCC here. You know, their pace is great. Their creativity and the, the technical uh, 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 execution of, of everything they were doing is just top, top level. But Claudio, I thought, like even stood above everybody else. Just incredible timing with those European uppercuts. And um. I'm very interested to see a, a, a Claudio and, and Moxley led tag team division. You know, it opens up a lot of really legitimately like 
brutal matches, perhaps. Um, well, you would think coming out of tonight, we're going to get a Tony tournament. For tag team wrestling, you're right. Absolutely. Yes, of course. Yeah, Tony. They should, be, they should be in it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even uh, the winners. Uh, you know, the finish here, uh, we should also mention FTR losing makes sense. Maybe just even beyond the fact that they've already had this run but, uh, because of, of Cash's upcoming trial, I have to think might have figured at least partially into um, maybe some of these plans. But I'm, I mean, I feel like I mean, that's in May. It's not as though it's you would think that you would think whoever's winning these championships would be holding them past me. Oh, you're talking about these vacant titles. Yeah, I'm saying whoever you're setting up to be the next champions, which right. I'm assuming BCCR. Timeless Tony Storm and Deanna Perrazzo for the women's title is up next. And they have Mariah May come out dressed as the old version of Tony Storm. And my God, did she look so much so convincing. I mean, with due respect to Sting's kids, I mean, this was the best. <laughs> Uh, costume or cosplay on the entire show um look at this like that you would not even question that this wasn't tony storm coming out like i had to do a double take it was pretty incredible they could have done twin magic i'm sure she could have wrestled the first 10 minutes of this match and i don't think we would have known so very very unique entrance here and then we go to the black and white and out comes tony so they square off and it's storm in control early on and man the crowd was chanting for it wasn't overwhelming or one-sided but there was definitely a pro tony storm reaction from the crowd and even booing at times when diana would fight back well i think tony is is the the more popular star you know certainly i so i mean i don't think it's it's much of a that much of a surprise one thing that I, I I did feel overall the build up to this was was pretty effective. I think for the amount of focus they put on the Fujiwara armbar by Diana, I think that they should have been really hammering that home on on television. Like not even just like the Venus de Milo, but that the Fujiwara is the setup for that and tapping people out like week after week after week, just um, really hitting hitting that home because it did not get this big reaction that i think the match was structured to have i think they they actually tried to do a whole lot in this story you know they they tried to get over the the the, both both um women's submission moves they tried to get over their backstory and uh, to that end i was kind of disappointed that the match didn't make more effective use of either of those things both said like diana's was i'm gonna break both your arms and tony was i'm gonna break your ankle like that was the attention and it's not as though that was you know, you had Deanna going for the Fujiwara, but it never felt that was like the um, the focus of the match was like, you know. Not like it was for Kingston and Danielson. Not the same. So Storm does get the ankle lock, the break a leg, but Deanna up kicks her out and boots her into the arms of Luther. And then Deanna comes off the top with a dive onto both of them and goes for pretty much La Mystica into the Fujiwara, but doesn't get much of a reaction for it. Luther distracts Aubrey Edwards as Storm is tapping out. Mariah May gets onto the apron. Perrazzo knocks her off, turns around, and is hit with a pile driver. And Tony pins her in 12 minutes and 17 seconds. And afterward, show Storm is showing attention to Mariah May and hands her the belt to carry to the back for her. So she was giving some attention to Mariah May. I felt that this this ending to me was very lackluster, and I didn't think this match got to the level that the buildup commanded, and I was a bit disappointed with this one overall. I like the match. 
overall up until the finish because i felt like there was another gear they needed to hit to to make this a bit more satisfying given i think the strength of the storytelling that they were doing before this i mean um i thought the the finish came a little too easy for for tony storm considering diana perrazzo has like felt like a really well-built baby face and that's kind of rare you know in in the aw women's tag team division um or sorry in the women's division period you know unlike orange cassidy who like only needed one finisher to to be put away i thought perrazzo like they needed to better kind of build up the damage level to perrazzo before that storm zero and i don't think they achieved that i also felt like there was a lot more storytelling material they could have got into just given their history together they have tattoos of each other you know it's like you had the great idea of um the ankle lock leading to a boot coming off and her looking at like they couldn't even if they didn't do that i was expecting a little bit more just in the way of referencing the long history that these two had in the body of the match somehow affecting the conclusion of the match and this was about as straightforward of a, of a wrestling match that might have assumed that you you didn't need to follow any of that story to make it, you know, I guess, I don't know, relevant. There is the idea you could come back at it. Like you did do the phantom tap with Tony Storm. Like you did create that coming out of this that you could lead towards a submission match of some sort or something where uh, Luther and Mariah May are banned from ringside, something like that. Like you you did carve out the ability to come back with a rematch for Deanna, but um, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, I think there was a lot of attention on this one um, as well, but we'll see what, what comes out of it. And, you know, the women's division is only getting deeper when you are throwing in Mercedes and other questions like what the status of Britt Baker is going to be, the latest on Jamie Hayter. Like, this is a division that is going to be just rife with people. And it's, and they're all going to be comparing, competing for one to two matches per show. Well, that's it. It's the division that you get lost in the shuffle in very, very quickly. Um so we will see what the follow-up is with Deanna Perrazzo. Will Ospreay, Kanosuke Takeshita with Don Callis on commentary. The match has been promoted as the match of the decade. Applause as the bell rings. Huge reaction for Will Ospreay. And it gets off to a pretty hot start with a superplex by Takeshita as he's getting the heat while on offense. Ospreay then takes him to the floor and does... Uh, he lands on the shoulders of Takeshita and gets spun off. And we go to the floor from there, sent on by Takeshita as he comes off, landing on the knees. So Osprey hits his leap of faith that misses, and Takeshita hits his big bridging German for a two count. Then another one before running into a Spanish fly. Crowd's going nuts here for pretty much anything that Osprey is doing. Takeshita collapses after a big striking exchange, and Takeshita takes this rolling elbow. And he's selling it like he's got nerve damage in his hands. He's like, his hands are contorted. It's the referees. Are you okay? And uh, Will's like, he's fine. He's fine. He comes over and just starts kicking away at him. And then to catch the blast Will with his own forearm, wobbling Will, hits a second one. Osprey won't go down, comes back with Kawada kicks. A third forearm drops Osprey, who responds with a tiger driver, goes for the os cutter. And Takeshita catches the os cutter and turns it into a blue thunder bomb for a near fall. Crowd gives this a standing ovation. They are all in on this match. Then we see the os cutter connect, sets up for the hidden blade, but it's stopped with this elbow strike. And Takeshita lands on top, and Osprey just gets the shoulder up as both men are pretty much out on their backs here. Takeshita lifts, blocks a top rope Rana, and goes for the brainbuster onto the turnbuckle. 
but Osprey does not come down on the turnbuckle. He just crashes down and takes this pretty much on his hip because they mm-hmm. close in on his hip and it looks, it's going to look horrible tomorrow. This, this close up of his hip just looked terrible. This I is mean, a photo from oh, the presser. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it I looks mean, awful. I mean, I, I'm, I, I hope for his sake, some of that might be just like um, um, turnbuckle burn, but man, um, it looks, at least right now, it's probably going to be pretty brown and pink and all sorts of colors tomorrow. Uh, uh, just an ugly, ugly color it was instantly as they showed him. Uh, Takeshita removes the knee pad, but gets caught with the stun dog and a poison rana. Stormbreaker is countered into a bastard driver, follows with the wheelbarrow German, and Osprey fires at him with a hidden blade to the front. Takeshita kicks out at one. Crowd is losing their mind. Osprey hits a Styles Clash for a two count. Storm Driver 93, and then the hidden blade from behind to win this incredible match in 21 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, at this point, John, like, this pay-per-view was like red hot, red hot. Like we, it, it was every match that I was seeing was topping the one from before. And, and it was like almost impossible to, to even pick a match of the night. Now, was this the match of the decade? Let's find out. Let's find out in uh, 10 years time, but probably not. Okay. It's, was it even match of the night? Even that's for up for debate, but it was bottom line. It was, was it, was it entertaining as hell? Yeah, it was incredible. I thought they they del- delivered on some very very lofty expectations. It was a lot more like um striking base than I was expecting. It was a lot more brutal than I was expecting. You know, um of course that crazy brainbuster um for that huge wealth and I thought this ultimately became like as b- about as good of an official debut for Will Osprey as you could have. I I don't think you could ask for much more. I think this will be a match of the year candidate for for a lot of people. And more importantly than just having a tremendous match, it was like he was treated like a superstar on this show. Like he feels though he is the guy coming into this company for 2024 to be promoted around. Um, mm-hmm. I saw it was, it was a terrific arrival, had a tremendous match with about as great an opponent as you could ask for for this type of a match where it was pretty much the build was they're going to come out and have a kick-ass wrestling match and that's what they did for 22 minutes and that's the power of having somebody like a will osprey on your card i mean you have another kenny omega here you have arguably somebody who's uh, kind of taken over that 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 title of a best belt machine that you know he's a guy that you certainly want to have story for but he's also a guy that you can just put on any cart and there's already going to be a guaranteed number of people that are going to be buying the show because he delivers quality every single time that he's out there. So what if it turns out that um, to get his uh, work visa for the U S that Matt Hardy secretly signed him to a contract (laughs) and now owns his promotional rights. I mean, that is Uh, your indoctrination into AEW, is it not? That Matt Hardy has to have you under his power? He scooped him from Don Callis? I I think I'd rather Will Ospreay join private party at this point. Okay, all possibilities. Kyle Fletcher makes his return coming out, and he stares at Will and then gives him a big hug. As (laughs) It was funny. They announced that they're going to have a match on Wednesday before the hug, and then they hug and embrace it was just a little awkward. That Very was. clunky storytelling. But this is like Tony Khan, right? Like you often get the match before you get the story. Um, they'll make sense of it eventually. Yeah, it was like they were teasing it like these two are at odds or something. But then Excalibur is explaining, oh, they live together. And then they hug after we've learned they're having the match. It was just like, okay, yeah. what what is this relationship? So anyway, it's going to be a friendly on Wednesday uh, between these two. Um, 
I think Will is above uh, wrestling for this ROH television title. This is not at stake. I, 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 yeah, I highly doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. This seems to like correct me if I'm wrong. Is this not the uh, like on screen debut of the new Dynamite logo? I think so. I think this is the first time they've shown the new logo. How how do you uh, like it? Very uh, got, got like an LA Lakers vibe to it, kind of with the gold and purple. Hmm. But um, change I, is good. I like it. Sure. Yeah. Samoa Joe, Hangman Page, and Swerve Strickland for the AEW Championship with Jim Ross with Excalibur and Shivani for the final two matches. Prince Nana came out with a group of dancers, and we start things off pretty heated uh, at the beginning for all three. It's been a, I, I think this has been a very effective uh, build for this three way. So Joe is just wrecking shop on these two at the beginning. So um, Paige eventually stops a rolling flatliner, tries for the dead eye, and Joe stops him. He's pretty much just stopping them at every every turn. Swerve got cut under his left eye early in this, and Paige goes for a moonsault and rotates into a tombstone on Swerve, but then Joe makes the save. He hits a muscle buster to Hangman, and Swerve follows with a Swerve stomp, hits a house call to Joe, doesn't go for the cover. Instead, he stares at Hangman and hits him with an, a house call, getting the two count. So you saw the story progressing that Swerve and Hangman, they were at different points of the match, blinded by their rage for one another, that they were overlooking just winning the, the championship when there were opportunities that presented themselves. Swerve hit a 450 onto the back of Joe and Swerve then lands the stomp to Joe, but Page pulls referee Paul Turner to the floor and the crowd is booing this. And this was a hell of a pull because uh, Paul Turner was unconscious from uh, being pulled out of this ring. And Page takes the belt, nails Swerve with it twice and then goes down to the floor and yells at Swerve, you will never have this. It's mine. And then he proceeds to hit two buckshot lariats onto Samoa Joe but Paul Turner is still out. There's no referee. Bryce runs down and Joe kicks out. Then he goes for a third buckshot, but Joe ducks applying the Coquina clutch and Swerve breaks it up with this beautiful spiral tap off the top. And then Prince Nana hands the crown to Swerve. Swerve decides he does not want to use the crown and sends it away. And because of this distraction, he is caught in the Coquina, turns into a roll-up, and then Paige attacks Bryce Remsburg and throws him out of the ring. So he is total heel to this crowd. They are loudly booing him. And we get all of these big strikes by everyone. Swerve hits his own buckshot lariat onto Hangman, followed by the JML driver, and then Joe suplexes Swerve. Coquina is applied to Hangman as Paul Turner returns and Page taps before Swerve can break up the submission at 19 minutes and 42 seconds. And they ask if Page tapped because he was done or because he wanted to deny the win for Swerve and keep the title from him. So that was the uh, the question coming out of this. But Joe retains and he just poses with the belt in front of Swerve. I I don't think there was really that wrong of a choice of where they went here, but I did feel this was probably the best outcome for where they're going with this story. And I did feel a title change would have been a big afterthought by the end of the show that I don't think you want your championship ever to be where it's the second biggest thing on the show. Like it should be the big, big moment in the, of a show when you're doing a, a rare title switch that AEW does right there's that I, and i think there's just simply the idea that like um joe needed a longer run and um swerve and page don't need the championship in order to continue their feud um i i thought like i think building three-way feuds especially for like world title programs is is always really difficult and in this one, maybe even in some ways more so because you have Paige and Swerve that are already so linked together. And Joe, 
has kind of like found a bit of a uh i don't know like third wheel type of role here where he's just constantly reminding hey guys like i'm the champion i'm here too and i feel like they did about as good of a job as maybe you could expect for that sort of dynamic uh even within the body of the match um even like not only did they have to build that sort of like three-way rivalry they had to do a double turn i mean the double turn has been in effect for quite a while but they had to complete it here and by the end of the match i feel like every they effect they effectively did it every every character kind of ended up in in a in the position that they're supposed to be in you have page now who is a full-on heel swerve who has uh you know um chosen not to cheat and therefore has kind of confirmed his babyface status it's mojo also feels like he's a babyface right now you know doing a whole lot of his more fan friendly uh moves at the beginning of the match to continue to establish himself um as a crowd favorite ahead of this match with wardlow um so they've had to like navigate a lot of really sort of tricky babyface heel dynamics and i feel like by the end they kind of came out with a pretty satisfying result match i thought was technically good now like this coming after the quality of wrestling that we've seen prior um it was a very good match, but I can't help but feel like there was something maybe off with the pace during this match that was not as apparent in some of the other matches on this show. Um, for me, it was a notch below Osprey Takeshita, uh, BCCFTR, Brian Kingston, and Orange versus Roddy. Now, on any other show, a match of this Pretty good. Pretty damn high bar on this show. Yes. Huge. Yeah. On this show, this might only be the fifth best match, maybe even sixth, depending on who you're asking. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the match. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I didn't think it was the, the match of the show. But, I mean, th- this late in the show, like, the audience was red hot in particular for Swerve. I thought Hangman was great in the in the match as well. Like, he, t- it, it's interesting to watch, like, him and Drew McIntyre do these similar characters, but in their own unique ways. And both are working, I think, very effectively in uh, with both feeling they're rooted in being right, and yet the audience is not with them. They are with the the person that they are at odds with so joe retains and then they make the announcement making it official that aew is coming back to pay-per-view april 21st in st louis at the chaffetz arena with aew dynasty so at this point it looks as though they are up to i think this would make it like what 10 pay-per-views on the calendar so they will come back with this is is that including roh or no Without including ROH. ROH are a separate three, but you're like, you'll have this in April, double or nothing in May, Forbidden Door presumably in June. Uh, they have nothing in July. Just up it to 12. What's just stopping you? Just, just, just make it call this a monthly thing at this point. Tony said he felt his, his sweet spot was nine to 10. And I guess that there's What's the difference, honestly. Between... I mean, at this point, I think you have an audience that are, if you went to 12 a month, I don't think it would be a terrible move on their part i think that they're it it does put a lot of emphasis on building all of these cards they you're still asking people to spend quite a bit but i i don't think there would be this revolt if they went to 12 pay-per-views a year but it seems like 10 is their their max that they want to go with although i think most people include roh in, in there as well so if you're including that they're above 12 right yeah and does this kind of continue to maybe like wither away the average um buys per pay-per-view you know we shall see um i i mean even that though is it seems like it's a gamble that they're willing to take if it means an overall you know um uh, increase in revenue for the company 
World's End, it looks like that's you know going to turn out to be very successful for them. And I, this one's certainly going to as well. And we'll, we'll see what they have planned. Now they have, you know, it's not a crazy amount of time either uh, between the next pay-per-view. Like we're talking, what, six weeks or so until the next pay-per-view? That's six, it? seven weeks. Wow. It's also, that's the same weekend as the TNA's next pay-per-view. And I think that will hurt TNA having mm-hmm. a AEW show the next night. It's also the same day we may potentially climb the CN Tower again. Oh my goodness, you're right. That's uh that weekend as well. Yeah. What a what a crazy weekend we have coming up. Then time for the final match where they introduce some of the luminaries. First up, it is Ric Flair. Did you note the graphic? No, what? 21 time champion now. So you can take your 16 times WWE and keep keep uh chugging away at it. We're going to recognize more of his title reigns, which this is far more accurate than the 16. Like, and what's the controversy? I mean, without maybe spending too much time on it, like, what I mean, there's just been a bunch of his title changes that are not recognized in that 16 number. Why does WWE not recognize them? Um, they wait, we're 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 celebrating uh 40 years of uh WrestleMania 39 years after. I can't tell what's controversial about those particular five title changes. You'd have to ask them why they acknowledge some and don't acknowledge others. That's strange. Okay, um. The guest timekeeper is Ricky Steamboat. And then in the audience, they showed Paul Walker Hausen and then Nikita Koloff, Magnum TA, and Scotty Riggs. If you have not seen the Scotty Riggs video with uh, DDP, it's amazing. The one they released this week with him and Buff Bagwell. I mean, it's it's captivating. Like what uh, he has done with some of these individuals, like I I won't, uh, you should certainly watch it. Like Scotty Riggs was in a really bad place and literally his life was saved. Oh, so, wow. it's yeah, it's a really fascinating video that they put out this week. Uh, somebody in the chat mentioned Denise Salcedo um, uh, shot a video or, or posted something in, um, showing Luger and DDP in attendance. As okay, well. so they were there. I'm surprised they didn't show them on the broadcast. But anyway, um, the final showtime is the themed entrance where Sting walks into an empty theater and it opens up the curtains and Sting watches all of these still shots of his career minus... Things like, you know, WCW, Jim Crockett promotions and WWE, which I guess did, did not uh, did not feel uh, to you had some need still, to contribute. You had some still photos, okay. well, not WWE shots. I can promise you that. But we got, you know, a pretty nice retrospective here of uh, the, the footage was mainly reserved for New Japan, AEW, some shots of him with Jim Helwig, uh, the final Nitro with Ric Flair. They had a, a still shot of a bunch of Muda. And then uh, the curtain closes and Sting looks into the camera. It's showtime for the last time. Let's do this. And out walks his sons, Surfer Sting and Wolfpack Sting. Dude, this was amazing. Dude, this is amazing. uh, His son, the the Surfer Sting version. I mean, this guy, I mean, looked. uh, Looked just uh, like, yeah, perfect in this jacket. I mean, he's he's wearing the Great American Bash jacket. Like this was pretty like when he walked out, I think there were fans that thought, oh, my God, he dyed his hair blonde for his final night. Oh, Um, it was the same effect as the Barai May entrance. You know, can't say I was doing a, a, a double take when Wolfpack Sting came out. Uh, maybe even a bit slimmer than um steve borden at that With age, due sure. respect yeah. um so he comes they're coming out to sting's aew theme and then we go into seek and destroy and oh. you've got like the crowd singing along this entrance was amazing so great so great i mean the video was outstanding um just like had all the sort of 
production that I think you would expect, you know, um, for uh, the magnitude of, of an event like this, they completely delivered it, con- including, I think, you know, callbacks to the past here. This is one of the best pieces of production that AEW has put together, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So he is out. I mean, the place is going wild. Um, let me just say this. The Young Bucks were the perfect opponents for this last match. They were such awesome heels in this match. I just thought they were amazing. Like this crowd hated them. I, I just thought they were tremendous uh, in this match. So you, don't, it, you don't think FTR would have achieved the same, right? Because, yeah, they'd, they'd be baby faces and it'd be maybe a hard pivot to make them heels perhaps i don't think you're having this type of match with ftr it'd be a very mm. different match so they get into it's a brawl right away it's a tornado match we're bringing out tables and then darby hits his coffin drop to the floor with which jim ross just notes the little bastards fear <laughs> wait oh, just wait jim yeah so sting brings out a pane of glass the operative word being pain and they place this piece of glass on top of these chairs on the floor. Would they remember this pane of glass later on? I, I hope so. Just remember that glass is there on those chairs. And Sting misses Nick with the bat and hits the glass. It doesn't break. So he just takes the bat and just smashes it anyway. Like he's, you know, just just ransacking a convenience store. Well, you paid for this expensive. He's like, glass. yeah, who's going to break this? So just swings at it. Um, Bucks are getting a ton of heat here. They're chanting F the Bucks. And they bring out the world's largest ladder into the ring. They powerbomb Darby onto this ladder. And then they uh, he fights back, hitting this code red. Meanwhile, Sting is taken out momentarily when he is on the stage. And they end up suplexing Sting off of the stage through a table. And... That, that that gives Sting his breather for about uh, three minutes. That was his, his break. Match. That was his break, okay? Yeah. His water break was taking a suplex off a stage through a table on the floor. So Darby is getting destroyed here in the ring when he makes his comeback. And as we mentioned, hit the code red, sets up the ladder above the chairs and places Nick onto the pane of glass on the chairs. This is one of those, if you hit your target, it's an awful idea. He dives for this swanton. I, this man, clearly, there is a, I'm sure this man has an attachment to his life, but I think he's one of those guys, if things go wrong, then at least it's going to be shot on pay-per-view. He dives and just crashes through this pane of glass. And it is at the point that this glass shatters that you realize pretty goddamn quickly, this is not gimmicked glass. And he turns over and dude, it is like a million red ants are just coming out of his body, but it's blood. The punctures throughout his back are numerous. And this is what we are seeing. And this man, I thought they had like taken him to the back and he was going to make his big comeback for like eight minutes. He's gone. And they do this wide shot. He's in this same position. For this whole eight minutes, just laying here in this glass, bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. There are a few things I've seen in wrestling that are genuinely shocking to me. And I shouldn't be with this specific performer, but this was one of them. And this guy had a death wish of how can I thank this man for being my partner Risking death for his final match. That's how I'm going to repay him. 
Way you never have to do this to <laughs> thank me, okay? Please. You don't want this for Christmas, off. me falling through a glass off uh, off a ladder? Oh. Yeah. Um, you remember when there was a big thing about, like, Goldberg wanted to make it real glass that he would put his arm through? Mm-hmm. He insisted on real glass. They didn't want to gimmick it. And he ended up, like, slicing his arm up. We, and we all remember action. that first real glass. Uh, There's a lesson here about using real glass. <laughs> real glass is undefeated in pro wrestling. Listen, um... I'll say real glass or not. I mean, I think the more severe damage was him falling off the ladder through like no padding whatsoever on on these chairs and basically snatting onto the mat from that height. It's insane. Even for Darby Allen, this was one of the more upsetting and severe um, uh, bumps that we've ever seen him take. Um But he was fine. Finished the match. So, I mean, it's just kind of Darby Allen doing Darby the, Allen. The thing. Fine, fine. He, well, fine for Darby Allen. He stood up. He was talking on the microphone. I mean, I don't think he's being taken to a hospital, right? Like he's bottom line, like he needed a stunt that was going to top all the other ones that he he had done in the past. And this, I'm not going to say maybe did that, but it came very, very close. This was his WrestleMania, certainly. So Darby is a momentarily uh, taken away from the match. Sting returns because no one else was going to be making a comeback on the Bucks. And dude, Sting just went into his next gear. He's like, I've got five minutes left of my career and I'm just going all out with these guys with the young Bucks. So he places Matt onto a table and Sting climbs the big ladder. Matt stops him. Nick sets up another pane of glass in the corner and Matt sends Sting through the table, but he just pops up and roars as does the crowd. The Bucks take him. They hip toss Sting through the pane of glass in the corner, hit him with a low blow. And then there's a scorpion death drop onto Sting for a two count. Nick grabs the tag belt. Ricky Steamboat stops him. So Matt attacks Steamboat. Flair's crawling in to check on Sting. He's waving off the Bucks. At one point, Rick just tells Matt, fuck off. And they double super kick Rick Flair. Then they double super kick Ricky off the apron. Hit. There's a belt shot by Matt. Sting kicks out again. They do the Michael spot. We're not sorry. We hate you with double super kicks. And Sting no sells the super kicks fires up crowd goes wild and he hits a scorpion death drop to matt they come back with the evp trigger now the audience they're like that's it but sting kicks out he shit they shake his hand hit him with another evp trigger and sting i'm not gonna call this a kick out this was more like a convulsion out okay that's what he did to stop the cover but his shoulder came off the mat and he just waves it on eats a double super kick and they go for the renamed TK driver when Darby comes back from the dead and shoves Nick off the top through a table. There's a death drop to Matt for the near fall. And then a coffin drop onto Matt followed by the scorpion death lock applied. Matt Jackson taps out in 21 minutes as sting gets to go off as one of the AEW tag champions and gets the win at the Greensboro Coliseum. Incredible. Incredible. Um, you know, there was maybe some talk about what finish they were going to go with for this match, whether or not Sting would lose, whether or not he would win the championship. I always maintained that the finish that I wanted to see was the one that provided the most emotional catharsis. You could have gone both ways, depending on which story you wanted to tell. And for this story that they told tonight, this was the perfect finish, having Sting leave as champion. Uh, 
that final call to the crowd as he was about to turn over for that scorpion deathlock i thought was like that emotional high you know that i think i was looking for in a match like this the type of like moment where you finally are faced with i think the reality that this is a man about to clock out this is a man who's about to you know put the end uh period of uh, on an incredible career and they hit it i thought this match was great like all of matches during this like very unique aew run they delivered on the appeal of seeing basically a 60 something year old man uh who's on his second career coming off of spinal stenosis taking part in these crazy spot fests jumping off of crazy shit they gave you um though that and more like in the form of two like falls through the ladder one off a ramp one fall through glass they gave you a lot of nostalgia in the form of like you know his his kids dressing up as him in that excellent video and then you got a darby allen match with one of the craziest darby allen match uh, bumps that i've ever seen so you got even flair and steamboat interactions so they gave you like pretty much everything I, that i think you could be asking for um that you might have been expecting for a scenario like this I mean, it was like you checked off the box, I think, of everything you would have wanted out of this one. It's a small thing, but to me, maybe one, I'm not going to say the most impressive thing, but one of was Sting gets on the mic after this 21 minute match. Dude isn't blowing up. Dude isn't mm-hmm. like even, it, it was incredible at how fresh he felt, like talking afterwards. Like, yeah, we've heard some guys after matches, and dude, they're like, can can barely even get a word out after something like this and he seemed like he was just fine after this thing it he was had incredible. more left like and i noticed this after the match with um um uh, starks and and, and uh, uh uh big bill like he did not seem gassed at all and the man was active throughout the entire match doing crazy things in tornado style so clearly the man had gotten himself in incredible shape and i'm sure uh ended up talking way past the uh maybe he's still talking now he thanked all of Greensboro ever since the first clash in 88 in this building. Thanks, Ric Flair. He wanted to give the fans a night they wouldn't forget. It's one I will never forget. Calls Darby the greatest partner he's ever had. The, mo- the biggest understatement of the year. Darby is a risk taker and says, so am I. Not like that, though. And Darby is like giving him the sign off warning. Like we're about to get cut off. The crowd's chanting. You still got it. And then the immortal last words. I've got to wait. I'm getting cues as the <laughs> show fades to black and it fades to black on his career. And that was the end of what I thought was a phenomenal pay-per-view overall. And I, I, I don't know how Darby Allen will be alive after this match, but he is. Um, but yeah, I think for a 21 minute match, I think you gave people everything they would have wanted. And even when we have seen sting in some of the matches where you can see it's like, it's, probably been a lot for him to you know he he has stood out in you know there's been some not as pretty performances mm-hmm. but you went out on a really really strong one here nothing looked out of place and um thankfully he decided you know what darby's gonna be the one to dive off the ladder and, and not me he took a little dive i suppose he took a power bomb off off a ladder he he fell off a stage as well so you know well i was saying the big spot uh, oh the big one yeah. yeah no this sting run has really been 
unprecedented i would say you know for somebody um again coming off of spinal stenosis even not coming off of spinal stenosis in their 60s to make a career off of doing this sort of thing especially when you've had the career that you've already had like sting um is is remarkable and tells you a lot about maybe his mentality of simply wanting to entertain people you know even at the risk of, of his own sort of health it tells you a lot about how a tony khan views veterans and how they might treat he might treat veterans versus how we've seen veterans treated in the past in in professional wrestling so man can can a run like this be topped you know if you're somebody in a similar position um i don't think we're gonna see too many comparables of people at 64 doing this um along with the the back issues that this guy had and, and who knows god knows what like this guy had massive knee surgery in 1990 that slowed him down um i don't even know if i want to see people try and, and top this but i will say as much as you can look at yes d i definitely agree in the sense of tony khan wanting to put this guy on that pedestal as our legendary figure and book him as such this run while the booking was a huge asset this was a guy that saw this locker room and wanted to aspire to not stand out in a negative way that this guy wanted to pick his spots. He was not going to be a weekly. He could not do these things weekly. He couldn't even do these monthly, but when called upon, he could get ready and nine times out of 10, they worked and he worked his ass off in doing stuff that I would be stunned that someone with this medical history would even attempt, but he did do it. And, and hopefully he's got a comfortable remainder of his life after this run, because uh, it's, it's one thing to watch these and marvel at them, but we're not the guy waking up the next day that has to deal with the repercussions of what he put physically into this run. But it is admirable for someone that could have done a fraction of it. And he wouldn't have been criticized by that locker room he would have still made the same amount of money but he saw this locker room and did not want to embarrass himself and he definitely did not what do you see for him after this i i would see him as someone that if i was aew that i would want as sort of my ambassador somebody that can be utilized that can be you know if you could incorporate just into different ways like there is still a lot of value in the sting character but i i definitely do not want to see this guy do a comeback at, at any point and i hope he doesn't want to do that either that's no as much as this feels definitive like there's always that side of man that last one went so well i know i could do it again um and that's you're taking danger. a risk every single time yeah and i'm not even talking about the dives i'm talking about a regular bump you know for a man his age and he's he's tempted fate i think enough the, um, the fact that this guy the the idea of wembley was thrown at him and he was like no this is it for me it it does tell me he knows this is the end mm -hmm. result but you, you you always um go with that caveat in wrestling but i think largely the success of this show was people believing this truly is the end that he's not going to be one of those guys that a year from now AEW needs something or he's got that itch to do this again i think he should take a long break like you know let maybe maybe give one one final speech on television perhaps like a like a formal you know goodbye that that doesn't get cut off and deliver that speech that i think we all want to hear from him and then i think he should take a long break let darby climb mount everest and then maybe eventually come back uh ease his way in perhaps hopefully like they i, I could see them trying him in a commentary role at least as a guest spot 
maybe eventually something of a managerial role as well, um, where he speaks a little bit more. But if he chooses to just completely stay out of the spotlight, I, I mean, I think that's perfectly fine too. Again, how could you top a, a send off like this? All right, it's late. We're going to go to some phone calls and open it up to you with your feedback. Yeah, we open up our phone lines for our patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com and video.postwrestling.com. After every one of our live shows, Monday, Wednesdays, Friday nights, specifically for members. So if you're watching right now, thank you for being here. Please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you really like us, consider signing up for $6 a month at postwrestlingcafe.com where you get a bunch of bonus shows and the ability to call in, including uh, uh, the the host of Collision Course from yesterday, Bruce Lord, joining us here. Welcome, Bruce. Great job on Collision Course last night. Oh, oh, thanks. Thanks very much for for putting the bat signal up and calling me in there. Uh, you know, as, as you heard yesterday, uh, Kate and I, we're kind of a little bit lukewarm uh, on that in part, I think because just so much of the build to this show was so good and had been done so far in advance compared to other AEW pay-per-views. And really it was just a question of, okay, were they going to stick the landing? You know, and I, I think pretty much everybody assumed that Osprey and Takeshita would deliver and my God, it did. Um, And then really it was just, okay, you know, how is this, how is the presentation of Sting going to go? And, Wow, that was that was just wonderful. You know, I think that they found a way to balance both all of the kind of the nostalgia spots and the legacy uh, type stuff with all of the absolutely insane just, you know, stunts and, and high spots and whatnot that we've come to expect from both men in that tag team. Uh, you know, and look, you'll you'll sometimes hear people sort of say, oh, you know, AEW is just a work rate company. But when you hold up something like this, the send off for Sting, and then obviously under very different circumstances, the Brody Lee tribute episode. I think they really deserve credit for underlining these more sentimental and emotional moments in pro wrestling and giving people that sort of emotional closure and moment that they want to have. You know, you you said it way. It's it's unprecedented for somebody to have this sort of send off that Sting got because guys do not get to leave this industry. On that sort of note, uh, you know. Last night, Kate and I were sort of saying, oh, you know, Sting could win, he could lose, doesn't really matter. Let me tell you this, as somebody who has, like I said, very little nostalgia and sentimental attachment to old Sting or anything like that, wasn't a fan when I was a little kid or anything like that, I was just pumping my fist with every single Sting kick out. It was absolutely, uh, absolutely the, the, the right decision to make. Uh, so yeah, just just a wonderful, wonderful closing note there. And it's incredible to me that I'm thinking between that and the Takeshi and Osprey match, so many other great moments, you know, and matches on this card that I've already like, I'm, I'm almost at risk of forgetting something like, you know, the, the Kingston and Danielson match, which was fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, just 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 a fantastic pay-per-view back to front. I, I want everybody who calls in to at least answer this question. What was your match of the night? Me being me, I'm going to go with Osprey Takeshita. But, man, it's, it's neck and neck. It is just those two. It is those two matches for very different reasons. Those two things were both perfect uh, for two very different reasons as to why I watch pro wrestling. And uh, the fact that we got to have both of those things 
on one show, two such very different uh, representations of what pro wrestling can be, uh, was just really, really, really great to see. I think tonight. So I know there's a lot of people, so I'll, I'll peace out as, as, as right here. Thank Thanks you so lot, much, Bruce. Bruce. Again, great Hi, job on Collision Course, and uh, continued uh, great work on the New Japan Pro Wrestling reviews. Uh, he is our uh, one of our hosts here at the post wrestling cafe. So thank you for that. Let's go up next to well, a lot of calls tonight. A lot of people want to get their thoughts in on sting. So we uh, encourage everybody to try to keep their thoughts concise and uh, be, be mindful of all the other callers that are trying to get through. Let's go to Corey. Hey, welcome Corey. What'd you think of revolution? Hey guys. Uh, first off, uh, thank you for the review guys. Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, this is the first uh, AEW pay-per-view I've watched live in a very, very long time. Uh, obviously, there is a good reason for it. Uh, but I just want to get my one piece of major criticism out of the way. I know you guys were a little more high on the women's match than I was. Uh, I felt the energy in the room just leave when that match happened. And you could make the argument that, oh, you know, um, the audience was gassed. They needed some time to, you know, store that energy. But when you have three very like long matches following it with sustained energy and every other match before having a lot of energy i think it's more of a greater indictment on the booking and perception of the women's division than anything else and you know looking at that match i just can't help think of like you know mercedes monet she's going to be coming in supposedly i just feel like the disparity in like the way like she is perceived and the way everyone else is is just going to like put a larger magnifying glass over like the problems with that division hmm. yeah i mean this is one like let's be fair though i think we were all fairly positive on the lead up to this i mean this hmm. to me was not a cold match this was one that had a month plus of story behind it um so i mean i i, I can't point fingers and say this was like some poorly built up match but i don't disagree with you i would say of like of the main card itself i would i would classify it as probably the weakest match of of the of the match and and you're right like it was like the audience did come down for the match so you can make your different conclusions but i'm not going to point to this one as one that i would be critical of the the program that they had going into it because i was pretty high on this one going in because of that fact yeah no i i i'm specifically referring less to the strength of the program but more so the audience's perception of the program and maybe those are two of the same things but i i just can't help but like look at the stark difference between the way people were absorbing that match and then just the absolute roar during the osprey and Takeshita match um but on to the positives. I mean, you wanted the match of the show. Uh, I've got a 1A and a 1B. Obviously, it's 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 the Sting match. Like, you know, he's, he's the fundamental building block of why I like pro wrestling. I went in a blockbuster, and I saw this guy that looked like the Crow on the cover of WCW versus NWO. I rented the game because there was the other game wasn't there. And uh, here I am calling you guys at 1.38 in the morning uh, years later. Uh, he is the reason why I like this. Uh, he, I cannot think of a more hyped and uh, like well-delivered American like pro wrestler retirement match since probably the Flair retirement match at WrestleMania. Um, and this blew that out of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, in my opinion, anyway, it was just incredible. The glass spot with Darby 
is maybe the gnarliest bump I have ever seen in a in a pro wrestling match since like the heyday of GCW as far as just like a sheer brutal glass bump is concerned and most of those glass bumps were in the wrestling ring this was just on the floor insane insane uh but my 1b uh which i you know i might be a dissenter uh from you guys is the title match i actually thought that it was a very um intelligently crafted wrestling match i it was it was was the tale of samoa joe being an interloper in his own title defense it was a match that was simultaneously about samoa joe and not about samoa joe it was about two guys who are locked in on each other and joe kind of you know being the big man in the room yet for some reason these two guys cannot stop like killing each other i i just thought that everything was just perfect character development for both uh swerve and hangman i thought joe looked incredible i think this might be the best match of his entire run uh i loved it i it it reinvigorated my my love for hangman page because i had been kind of sour on him for a while and this just revelatory as far as i'm concerned uh i i'm really really high on that match and that's not even to knock everything else on this i'm usually very critical of these long shows uh this flew by for me incredible show have a good night guys thank you so much for your thoughts Corey. hey we go up next to up next our friends at poison rana who have made the trip Hi. 12 hours down to green are, are you guys holding your thumb out on the highway to head back Where, what's the plan now not quite yet oh we've, those surge prices last beer we've got to finish so we've got to be quick gotta forget uh yeah we <laughs> we had a ton of fun we went to davy's crazy idea to get in a car we rented a car with a bunch of buddies and we drove down 12 hours to get here in the middle of the morning and then we went to the greensboro coliseum which was just absolutely lit tonight we had a blast we got to go and see sting retire to catch the osprey was insane like oh my god i can't wait to re-watch it i hope it came across that was it was there any uh trump supporting spillover from last night no wow no, we wish actually, we came a day early because uh the same venue had the trump well i think there might have been because we showed up to our <laughs> hotel booking and they were like yeah we can't accommodate you today i was like what do you mean we have a reservation they're like yeah sorry we can't fulfill it so shout out hotwire <laughs> who uh helped us get a get a, a new hotel so which I, is I think that might have been a bit of the trump spillover yeah yeah so uh it was it's been a great time very what hot. was the live experience like in in the building especially Incredible. before it was packed very yeah. loud really loud everyone was having a good time we really tried to get merch and like the sold out were right insane, away and they were that was, was there out. a lot of like sting merch that they had made specific for yeah. the retirement yeah, all sold out yeah. it was it was all sting all sold out. um and yeah lots of people in sting face paint like it was absolutely <laughs> packed like the video packages before the show, yeah, you could tell everyone was here for Sting, and the main event was just uh, incredible. I thought. Um, and shout out Sting's kids, man. We thought those like there was three mm-hmm. Stings. You know how like man, I was like, wait, why is there three Stings? It's been a long day, and we're all really delirious. <laughs> and when the first Sting came out, we were like, oh, Sting looks great. And we're oh like, God, oh yeah, we, we got okay, NXT UK kid. Tony Storm, and we got Surface Sting. This is we need good. Sting's kid in NXT pronto right now. Send Sting's kids to yeah. you know Wolfpack Sting was was Surfer pretty good. Sting too. Junior. Yeah, yeah, we need him. Watch in NXT. out for that guy. Yeah. 
So, so I don't know if you guys know, but they cut off Sting's speech um, partway through because of the window. So for everybody who maybe didn't get to see it, and I know it's up on YouTube right now, but for, for people who didn't see it, what did he say towards the end? Uh, he Anything said, notable? Greensboro, you were there from the beginning and you're here tonight. And he thanked everyone in his career. He thanked Rick. He thanked Tony Khan. Tony Khan then came out. We had the kids in the ring again. And Darby the said, whole roster came out. the whole roster right. came out. Uh, Darby is like, I need to go to the hospital right now. Sorry, I got to go. So he was there was there was a puddle of blood ringside that like you oh, could go God. swimming in possibly. Yeah, Tony like, Khan walking to the ring. And he's avoiding him out, and then he's like, "Oh, okay." Never mind the around. glass that went into like the first few rows as well. Hope everyone's okay. They might oh, bottle wow. that and sell it on a yeah, yeah. Hopefully, the AW uh, shop site. It was it was a sight to see, but yeah, Sting cut a, a very heartful promo at the end. Thanked everyone for following him through the years, and uh, you know, said good night. And then uh, everyone gave him hugs at the end. Everyone on the the ramp there, and then sent the home the crowd home happy. So how, it was, how, many, how many tears did you did you guys witness? Oh, crit- so many. Uh, I've never seen so many grown men in face paint since the last time I went to a Kiss concert. There were so many dudes wearing face paint. A lot of war- running like, the stuff. Gone. Yeah, just, oh, <laughs> it was just, it was just a, a, a love fest for Sting. Oh, we're about oh, to Jesus. get hit by a train now, guys, so we better get out of the way. Okay, oh, you guys okay. go enjoy your last beer. Safe travels home. <laughs> Did Brayden remember his passport wherever you are? Oh, yeah. shit. Jesus. <laughs> uh, follow us, Poison uh, Rana. Give us a show. We're going to do a show tomorrow. Cheers. We love you. Goodbye. Hey, Braden. Braden. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Thank you, guys. Right. Braden, that is Poison Rana. From Greensboro, North Carolina. Thank you very much. They uh, That's a long trip home. <laughs> yeah. PoisonRana.ca. Uh, they do a show on Sunday, actually. So go to YouTube.com slash at Pod. Uh, you can uh, and just subscribe to them and listen to their show. They also have a road trip show for their. Uh, I don't. I don't think the the show itself is uh, is twelve hours, but they do uh, do a road trip podcast for those of you who are patrons of theirs uh, at Poison Rana. So thank you to those guys. Okay, we're gonna continue with the calls. Let's. Uh, we're gonna uh, blitz through these, but let's. Uh, continue. Let's go to some of these new callers here. Well, let's go to Matt from Montreal. Welcome, Matt. Hey guys. Hey, hey. what's going on? Can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, cool. Shout out to Poison Rana, Poison Rana to go there. Yeah. And um, I just want to say up front that I love Bruce Lord talking. <laughs> As do great we. Talker. Uh, great review, guys. And I was just wondering, and I'm sorry if you already talked about it, but who do you think Pac is going to be? Um, what, who's going to be the next opponent for Pac? Pac's opponent. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so it sounds like he's after Tony Khan. <laughs> like, so... <laughs> Uh, maybe that'll be his first program. Um, but uh, what are you sensing here? Heel, right? Like if he's targeting the, 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 uh, I would think baby face, you know, promoter here. Um, so who do you think, John? I mean, you could put, you could put him in line with, with uh, something to build up with Eddie Kingston. Um, that's, that's one option to, to go. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you have such a deep roster at this point. I mean, you have so many different options of uh, where you could go with him. I mean, that's, that's only one path. Um, to have him towards who would you like to see him with matt i would like to see him against um jay white i don't know okay. if he, they ever uh, went against each other hmm. and uh for to answer your question way my match of the night was uh of course the tag team match with sting i've been growing up with him and um the other point that i, <laughs> I wanted to talk about was the presentation of uh kylo i was so happy to see him back Man, these shorts, that shirt, and these socks, and the shoes. 
I don't know what you guys think about this. Like, I'm really, really hyped to see him back. I think he looked like, he, I don't know, he looked like he was injured and he was uh, ill or something. He looked like a man who had uh, just has, had his neck fused and um, just came back from it. I mean, I yeah, I I, I suppose um, this, I don't know. It depends on the story and it depends on the character, right? I mean, clearly the man has gone through something. He got emotional just simply walking out there. So I think if there's like that level of promo within him that, that is trying to convey, hey, I, I've been through a lot of shit, didn't think I'd come yeah. back. Maybe it fits, but I mean, we we we're not necessarily watching Kyle O'Reilly for for his hairstyle, right? You know, we, I know, I know, no, it's not their hairstyle. It's just I I saw that he was crying on his way back. I was like, that t shirt and those shirt. I don't know. I just think <laughs> like uh, for me, I was so happy to see him back again. It was like he looks like shit. But <laughs> if he I came out in a suit, it would be weird. I would say no, you know? not a suit, but I mean something more. I don't know. More superstar. I, I know what you're saying. Matt wants business guys. casual O'Reilly. That's what he's looking for. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you for the coverage. And I'm looking to the WrestleMania week with you guys. John, you have to put that schedule again. It's up, and, it's, uh, it's up on the site if you just uh, go. It's right there on the tab. Hit on Mania. and the, the Thanks for this. There. I always look at it. See you guys. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. And, and uh, shout out to John Cena for uh, keeping that up to date. Postwrestling.com slash Mania. All right, let's go up next to Cody from Maine. Oh, uh, first, sorry, let's go first to Jeremy Samples. Sorry about that. Hey, Jeremy, what's what's up? Uh, hey, Wayne. Um, I was at uh, the show in Greensboro tonight, uh, too. Oh, I wish that wow. I knew that Brady and Davey were, uh, were there. I would have loved to caught up with those guys. Um, but, yeah, it was such a fun time. Um, one thing they left out, um, in the post show, uh, uh, sting, uh, had Tony Schiavone come over, uh, and do the, it's sting, uh, call out um, oh, that's cool. after the, after the show. And he's like, I'm sure the fans didn't get to hear it tonight. Um, so they wanted to hear it. Um, I, one thing I thought was crazy was just the fan reaction throughout the whole show, uh, to different wrestlers. Like as soon as the pack video hit, there was an amazing reaction, um from the crowd um just different things like that that surprised me like i thought they would have been a little bit more into the women's match um my match of the night was sting uh that's why i traveled there um and uh actually i secured a way uh to uh listen to the commentary actually during the show uh although it was actually on about a minute and a half delay uh from from being there live but i thought that jr and tony told such a good story i thought that Matt, that last match was more of a story uh, line match than anything, uh, you know, has been <laughs> in any time recent. Um, it's such a such a good story and uh, such a good way for Sting to go out. Um, Brady and Davey mentioned the the merch. Uh, they had like three different designs of merch that said I was there for Sting's last match. Um, one thing I did was they had like a hundred and fifty dollar. Uh, early access uh, where you could buy it and like just go in and not have any lines first access to the merch stand. It was awesome. I didn't have to stand in any lines around the whole arena. Um, got got the Sting shirt I wanted. Uh, the one with Sting on it uh, there. Um, and it was just, it was a great time. They also gave you a turnbuckle uh, that had this the final, the pink uh, Sting logo on it a poster um and uh like an AEW tote bag but it was it was great i thought it was worth the money and not have to deal with the lines be able to secure the merch i wanted 
Um, so yeah, it was just a fun time. And thank you guys so much for the shows that you guys do. Uh, it's so appreciated. Um, and I really appreciate Wade's help earlier in the week, uh, helping me set this up so that I could call in. I, I try not to call in all the time because I want to only add something whenever I can actually add something. Um, because you guys do the best work out there. So I just really appreciate you guys. Oh, well, thanks very much, Jeremy. I'm glad it sounded like you had a really great time at the show. So we we appreciate you uh, taking the time to call in and share your thoughts. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Please call right. in more often. And, and your connection sounds wonderful. Jeremy was so concerned that his connection wasn't going to sound good. He, he, offered, he offered to buy a microphone while he was down there. And there's no no need for that. Most of the time, you, you everybody like can just call in from their phone or, or laptops. And yeah. thank you. Wait, wait was such a good help, though. I mean, I, I just really appreciate it. Wait. <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. Please call in more often. Way helps me all the time. My technical <laughs> deficiencies. Now let's go to Cody from Maine. Welcome. Oh, I think you're you're muted. One second. So Cody is from Maine, but he also happens to be in Greensboro. So we're going to try to uh, get him talking. Maybe he uh, lost his voice at Greensboro. Yeah, might have to reset your source or something. Um, Cody, okay, we'll come back Cody. to you, Cody. We'll Just come back to you. Hang yeah. tight. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get you we'll back. back to you. Hey, let's go up next to Andy B. Welcome, Andy B. I guess hope you will. So I get those quickly. Um, so my co-match of the night, in addition to the main event, was Danielson versus Eddie Kingston. Um, I thought um the fact that Dan, like the story of the previous matches was Eddie was a better striker, Brian the better grappler, and that was Eddie's one advantage. Even though Brian is the more complete wrestler, so the fact that this played into Brian's strategy when he'd been cocky before gave this story a little added layer of depth, and it was respect to Eddie Kingston way before even the handshake. Um, so you got to see Brian dismantling um, Eddie's arm the way he does in his matches to set up the the bell lock. You got Eddie firing up as he is the fifth pillar of heaven. Um, and I thought, just as a pure story, I thought this match did the best thing on the night, and I was completely thrilled by it. It was a phenomenal there. match. I, I really love that Kingston Danielson match. I mean, you had some really great options tonight of wh- where you were going for a match. That like this is going to be a very strong contender for show of the year. I know we're only in March, uh, the beginning of March, but man, this is. I think this is going to be a very tough show to top when you're looking at. Um, Danielson and Kingston and Osprey and Takeshita, the retirement. I mean, Orange um, and, and Strong was awesome. I thought FCC and, and FTR, or sorry, uh, <laughs> not and the, the FCC. FCC. I mean, they, they, were, uh, <laughs> they shut it down, <laughs> turn the feet off. No, yeah. BC, BCC and FTR, I thought was fantastic. That was a well. great match. I mean, yeah. that's, and you're going like four or five deep uh, for some of these. Like, this was a really, really solid show. And I'm I'm really curious how how well this, this show performs because it, it could be on the, the higher end. I, I think you would look at this to be, I think has the potential to be at least number three on of AEW all time. And, and given at least, you know, our sort of very high praise for, for the show, how much of the audience that might've just tuned in for this particular night, how many of them do they continue to stay on uh, and, and, and watch dynamite or, you know, stick around until the next pay-per-view cycle. And uh, guys, so uh, I completely agree with you. One of the best shows of the year, but I just have like a couple of nitpicks that I want to get out of the way. So I wasn't the fan of the character development in the world title match. So the theme of this story has been obsession, but like this idea of obsession overcoming these guys' desires to win the title feels a little bit caricaturish to me. And to a little bit where it kind of got muddied, like where does Hangman actually have to win? Was he actually in trouble because of Samoa Joe putting him in the thing, in the in the clutch? I, like that bit didn't come across very well to me. And um, there's also that element of um, 
the fact that while the story is about obsession something driving the character arcs forward seems to be the audience reception and this is especially the case with swerve where like he got over because he's this maniacal guy and now he's like turning down um like you know this help from prince nana because of the audience reaction ostensibly so for me these character arcs feel a little bit clumsy um but yeah apart from that great show i i don't completely disagree with you andy like um it's a very tricky situation and i i don't know if this was the, uh, the intent certainly when when swerve was um invading hangman's uh home to, you know to 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 um threaten his baby i don't think the intent was to long term turn him baby face and page heel they are completely just kind of pivoting based on what the crowd wants and to that end maybe again i give them a bit, a bit of leeway um to see how well they can pivot in as organic of a fashion as possible um i don't disagree that like it's such a tricky scenario for them to navigate they they have to tell that story they have to do the double turn they have to still make joe relevant as well but given all of that i i think they maybe did as best as they could but you know that like Corey thought it was the the match of the night or at least um yeah like he he did say it was the match of the night so for at least several people i respect very Corey's opinion very much it was a very effective story told but thank you as always andy for for your thoughts let's try one more time here cody from maine are you there mm, still don't hear you sorry buddy yeah it looks like your, your airpods or something might be like yeah. improperly connected one more attempt oh there, there we, we go. go we got it now all right, well, we'll ditch the AirPods then. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll keep it brief. Uh, I only caught your thoughts on the main event. Um, and Braden, You're in Greensboro, by the way. Yeah, well, a <laughs> bunch of other people, um, you know, kind of took a lot of similar thoughts. But uh, for me, Hold on a was... second. How long, how long did you fly or did you drive? Because you're from Maine. Yes, uh, I flew down. I flew down. Okay. So, yeah, I've been, uh, I was in Greensboro for the past four eight hours or so and i got a flight to catch in a few hours so that'll be fun but uh yeah overall that was um that was just a crazy atmosphere and environment i thought it really lived up to the hype and the expectations that you would hope that atmosphere would be um up until the final three matches i thought it was a good show you know there were some ebbs and flows with the you know with the crowd you know unfortunately being a little bit down towards the women's match and even in the triple threat match at the start. I don't know if that's how it came across on pay-per-view, but it felt like it took a little bit for people to get into it. But then you hit those final three matches, and I I, it, I couldn't have asked for a better show for what I ended up paying for. Um, it's funny because for the past few weeks, you know, John's joked at Don Callis calling Osprey to catch the, the match of the decade. Might have an argument now uh, compared to what it looked like it could have been. Um, I think it hit a different level than most were expecting it to. Um, I was very surprised by Hangman getting the second, you know, biggest booze, for lack of a better term, of that entire card up until the Young Bucks. Um, For me, I thought it'd be a little bit more mixed, but people are full steam ahead with the idea of booing Hangman and being 100% behind Swerve. So that double turn has absolutely taken full effect and then there's not really much i can say about the main event i don't think you could really ask for a better send-off uh wrestlemania 24 was mentioned maybe rick flair had that perfect send-off that he ended up squandering but i don't expect sting to squander this i think it was everything that a longtime fan of his could have asked for and 
you know, despite the fact that I walked two miles back to the Airbnb to not get price gouged on Uber costs. I don't know if that's what Braden and Dave are going to do. I couldn't have asked for a better time tonight. Thank you so much, Cody, for for taking the time. Thanks a lot for calling in, Cody. Absolutely. You guys have a good night. Thank you, Cody. All right. Let's go up next to Brian. Welcome, Brian. Hey, guys. Thanks for the review. I'll try to micro machines this. I uh, thought this was a fantastic show. My match of the night, I'm neck and neck between Osprey and Takeshita and Kingston Danielson. Um, Osprey, there's a good acknowledgement that Will Osprey, he goes here now. Uh, and I thought the world title match was very good. Sets the table for Joe versus Swerve one on one, but based on the finish, I think. And FTR versus Moxley and Claudio, very good. So happy to see Kyle O'Reilly back because I think he, the world of Kyle as a wrestler. And here he is looking like flock era Billy Kidman. And the main event, I, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe he's going to reunite with us, Scotty Riggs. Uh, dark- I mean, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, main event, I thought it was a massive spectacle, a lot of enjoyable moments, uh, especially the entrance in the video. Darby Allen should probably take a page from the other sting and send an SOS to the world. And hope that someone gets his message message in a bottle. Unless that bottle is glass, then I'll be more concerned. So that's all I got. It's late. Oh my god! Uh, Thanks again, guys. A brilliant call as always. Thank you, Brian. Giving credit to all versions of Sting (laughs) at this late hour. Uh, Very good. Let's go up next to Hansi. Hansi, welcome. What's going on, man? Um, My match of the show was. um, Osprey to Kosh, I thought that was, uh, you know, the work rate match that I, 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 I had a prediction in my head that I'll probably steal the show, um, from most people. I mean, I like the main event, the main event was awesome. I, you know, shed a tear. The, the, the theater stuff, you know, I, I cried, I, whatever. Um, you know, it, it just, I, I, when I first got in WCW, uh, Sting was like one of like the main guys, him and Vader were feuding. So, like, I always kind of compare him and Bret Hart, like, as being, like, uh, like you know, the faces of WCW during times when wrestling wasn't as popular. But I had a, uh, you know, a huge... Like, I, I, I always liked Sting's character. Like, I, I split on Collision. I always liked the Sting and Luger story in WCW because it was unique because I never saw, like, a good guy with a heel before and trying to you know, convince the heel to, like, you know, be a good guy, you know what I mean? It's like, it's always unique to me, so, and then the Crow Sting stuff, you know, TNA, you know, it's on and off with me, but I, I enjoyed it, I, I had a good time with the, um, the main event. Um, yeah, the women's, the, the two matches that I didn't really care for were the scramble match and the women's match, and th- that's shocking, because I, I like the build for the women's match a lot, like, I really thought, it, I thought it was going to get, like, 15, 20 minutes at least, whatever, right, but, um, I mean, it is what it is, but you know, I overall I, I enjoyed most of the car. I thought, uh, I thought Claudio's uh, um, tribute to Scott Steiner doing the power slam off of the um, off of the D- Doomsday device was probably one of the most insane spots. But yeah, I, I can't complain about the car. I thought every every most of the matches delivered. But uh, uh, I want to say thank you, Sting, man, with the call. It's a, it was a great career, man, and I I think I got to see him once perform in uh, in Hamilton. Uh, this past uh, like last year or so, when uh, they came to Dynamite, so you I saw things. that the big dive, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 then afterwards, uh, when everyone's like, "Thank you, uh, thank you, Sting," he's like, "No, thank you." And then everyone will say something complimentary towards him. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna put it back to you again." Like he's just so polite, man. He's one of the coolest dudes ever. So I'm I'm glad that I got to see his career. Like, I'm glad that he 
you know, it wasn't one of these tragic stories. You know what I mean? He's, uh, you know, always been cool in my book. So, I mean, all the best to him. And thank you for the review. And uh, I know you guys want to get out of here. So no, I'll thank you, Hanzi. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Peace out. Thank you, Hanzi. All right, last call. Let's go to Muggin. Hey, Muggin. Last but not least. So we are. Hopefully this time. Whoa. Whoa. Are you next door? Look at this. Nah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully my, my sound will cut out online on, online on Friday. Anyway, um, Osprey to Kester was a hood classic. A hood classic? Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, it, it's, it's my match of the night. Gotcha. And uh, you know, it was a great showcase for it was a great showcase for Osprey to the American to the American audience, and um, it, it feels to me like he could be like he has faces of the company potential, Osprey. But at the same time, too, Takeshi should not be forgotten about. I mean, he like in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, that match felt like a mirror match because they match up so well. You know, as you know, as far as you know, as, you know, as far as skills as far as skills go, and they match up very well. And um, I, I was expecting some kind of like you know split from uh, Don Callis, and I love that he kept. I love that he stayed out of it. There was no, there, the, well, there was no funny business. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to Osprey and Kyle Fletcher on on Wednesday. That, that should be that should be fun. You know, Aussie Open, Center of Civil War. Um, the tag title match, tag title match definitely deserved that main event billing. You know, Sting, what, Sting like most of the time when somebody retires, they usually put somebody over on the way out. This is an exception to the rule. And I'm glad Sting got to go out on a God. I'm glad Sting got to go on a high note. And you know, the Unbucks were were great foils for you know to, you know, to get that heat and to like you know they were great foils for that match to, to, just to see them lose. And I gotta say, part of my tongue for saying this, Darby Allen is a sick motherfucker for having to jump through two panes of glass. Like I mean, that looked that looked gross. Seeing seeing him bleed all over. And um, it was gross, yeah. It was. It was awful. Like, man, <laughs> how old is this guy? Thirty years old? I don't even know. I, I don't I think at any age it's it's uh it's pretty insane. Like, but, listen, if he man, in fact, listen, if he keeps his if he keeps his going at this rate, man, he'll like he'll be like he'll I mean, he'll be over the hill in five years. When are we getting that Darby Allen retirement match? Well, I mean I mean at the rate at the rate that it's going, it could be it could be a lot sooner than we think if he keeps this up. I mean, I hope I hope the powers to be reining him in for his own good. And lastly, I mean, uh, lastly, um, Kingston and uh, Danielson was 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 very fantastic as well. Maybe Darby Allen's retirement run is like chain wrestling. You know, he comes in and just like, oh my god, it's an octopus stretch. Or like, I love that. I love the use. Of, I love the use of Sting's sons. You you know, dressing up as like you know both eras of Sting, like Surfer mm-hmm. Sting, Wolfpack Sting, and of course, you know. Face thing was with the with the paint. Now that was that was very that was a very cool that was a very cool use of the of the sons. And I'm glad they I'm, glad, I'm also glad they also glad they avoided the usual trope of uh, of uh, Ric Flair turning on him one more time. Definitely. And um, I'm very I'm also very glad Kyle Riley came back. And I'm glad they didn't do the expected thing by him joining you know Adam Cole and company because I feel like there's a lot of juice in uh, Kyle Riley on his own because he's been gone for a year with next fusion. So I mean. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's got like a very heartfelt promo in, in him uh, when we when we return when he does make his return on probably on, on Wednesday. So I, I do see a I do see a program with uh, O'Reilly against Undisputed Kingdom, and you know, knock on wood, if Cole gets be- if Cole gets better, you put you put those two together because they never they, they never they never they never phoned in when you put, when you put Adam and Kyle together. Thank you, Muggin. Appreciate the call as always. Have a Thank good night. You. All right. There you have it. What Thank do you, you want to? What do you want to do next? 
Um, do you want to skim through feedback? What do it's you want up to, to you? I'm looking at you and, and just how you feel. I'm not the one that uh, don't, don't you're the one that has to be up uh, super early. I do. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's go through a few pieces of feedback here from form.postress.com. We have a lot of it here and, and, um, it just tells you the power of, uh, interest here in, in sting, but, uh, this is a long show. So, uh, care to start us off, John. Okay. Robbie from London. I, I never stay up for these Sunday pay-per-views, but for me, my wrestling fandom is just so connected to the stinger. My favorite wrestler since I was three and goes on to state that, um, I even went to bound for glory 2009 in full sting cosplay wrestling tonight was great, but the emotion of bidding my all time favorite goodbye. I will not forget from that little stinger in 1988 to this 39 year old man with tears flowing. What a great night from Robbie. Let's go up next to Steve Grows Weed, who says Eddie beating Brian was awesome. Great to see him keep his crown. The eight man was kind of awful. Couple fun moments, but most of the time the guys are sitting on the floor watching the damn match instead of being in it. Maybe not watch from the TV side, Magnus. Osprey Takeshita, wow, amazing. Do you think he'll hold some secondary titles or go straight to the world title picture? Uh, and who's next for Joe? Uh, Wardlow is next for Joe. Um, and do you see Takeshita holding, or sorry, Osprey holding a secondary championship? um i'll say I, no i think they're gonna peak him for all in like that a championship match for all in seems to make sense to me um so i don't think he'll be in the title picture yet i thought uh, kate had a great point on collision course last night where like because of the rankings they have this sort of structure now where osprey can work his way up and and therefore you don't have to put him in the title picture yet um so i don't know i don't know what that means for uh, secondary championships but i don't think he needs it right now Okay, I'm going to go to Jay from Colorado. Fantastic show throughout, and I enjoyed every match with maybe the women's title match being the low point. I was kind of disappointed with that match. I was expecting a banger out of those two, having so much history, but I thought the Sting retirement match played out perfectly. They made him look like a legend, and they had me on the edge of my seat with all the near falls. It was unfortunate the Sting was cut off at the end. Definitely one of the best shows of the year, and I'm looking forward to... um, he got oh, cut man. off here. You see, it looks like. I mean, you get out of time cue here, uh, Jay from Colorado. Didn't finish your feedback. Okay, let's go uh, to Mark, who says, year after year, I don't think any AEW pay-per-view delivers quite as hard as Revolution seems to. And this year was no different. So many times over the last 30-plus years of my fandom, I've seen childhood favorites go out due to injury or death or just stick around beyond their expiration date or flounder away. Tonight, we saw the celebration of one of the all-time legends going out on his terms in front of his fans and peers being given a worthy send-off. Wrestling is so lucky to have an AEW. Nobody was going to give Sting this sort of send-off elsewhere. This is an organization that embraces wrestling history and celebrates it at every turn. What a night. I'll never forget seeing Sting on the cover of the PWI 500 in 1992 on a newsstand at Chopper's Drug Mart. He immediately jumped out at me. It's been an incredible journey. Happy retirement, Sting. Anthony writes, seeing Sting and his sons on the ramp for his entrance told me everything I needed to know about this match. In 1992, when Canada did their free preview of certain American networks that we didn't have already, the first image I remember seeing was Sting. Sting and Vader was the first match I remember watching and seeing this bleach blonde man fighting a giant of a man had me hooked. I was always a Stinger and seeing him get the send off he deserved made me misty eyed. Thank you, Sting, for being around as long as I have been alive. 
Lastly, let's end things off here with Dr. Alex Patel, who says, I'm probably not as high on this as most people because I hated the booking of Danielson beating Eddie on Dynamite, telegraphing this loss, and the women's match was terrible. But overall, lots of good to great matches. The Osprey match was match of the night, and the Sting send-off was total insanity. I wish they had planned the post-match promo a bit better, but overall, it was a great tribute to one of the last true legends from the 80s still active. I love that they let him go out with a win and sent the crowd home happy. Overall, one of their better pay-per-views. All right. Well, thank you. Alex Patel for sending in your feedback and for all of your calls tonight as we are uh, clocking this one in just after two in the morning Eastern time. Uh, just wanted to make a quick mention from the press conference. Tony Khan did state they'll be doing a tournament for the vacant tag titles and uh, Jay White will be taking on Darby Allen on the big business show on March the 13th. And Brandon Thurston also tweeted out that Tony Khan was asked about their, their television negotiations. They're still in the exclusive phase with WBD uh, regarding their rights renewal. So that's, that's worth noting. They are not at a period yet where they can negotiate with outside companies and also stated the gate for revolution was in the neighborhood of a million dollars, give or take. They stated they didn't price this as aggressively as some other events, which is interesting. Hmm, interesting. And also so, makes sense why Jay White wouldn't specifically mention Darby Allen in the challenge, I guess, given his unknown status after um, being planned to do that insane dive off of the ladder and, and who knows what else. So cool. They, they did a bit of a different format for the press conference, too, where Renee was in the Byron Saxton role hosting it. And I I I just caught that uh, Joe was there. Sting and Darby showed up. Um, Will Ospreay was there. Tony did his bit at the end as well. So that was the press conference you can uh, check out afterwards. If you, if you didn't get enough wrestling all in one night, you can now hear people talk uh, for even more. Well, after this podcast, you, you imagine watching a pay-per-view and then listening to people talk about that <laughs> event for hours on Ridiculous. end afterwards. Imagine paying $6 a month for it at postwrestlingcafe.com. Outrageous. What are these people thinking? Join now and you will be on board for all of our extra shows. This week, we have got not just Rewind to SmackDown and Collision Course on the Cafe, but on Thursday, we're going back to June of 2018. If you thought tonight was the match of the decade, well, we might be reviewing the match of last year's decade. Of last de- the last decade? It's late. Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada from June of 2018 at Dominion. That is going to be the subject of rewind away number 152 so join now it's the beginning of the month get the most bang for your block at postwrestlingcafe.com now and you'll be on board for all of our bonus shows throughout the month of march which will include a new edition of talk ask away multiple editions of rewind away audio wind a smackdown every single friday collision course every saturday uh we talked about rick flair's retirement last week and just in our entire archive of a lot of great audio and support postwrestling.com but if you're thinking no way well the least you can do on this channel hit the subscribe button it does a nice little like like explosion when you hit uh, subscribe it's a nice feeling when you subscribe to a channel cost you nothing and then you're locked in on the post wrestling youtube channel for eternity Mm, until you unsubscribe you never unsubscribe from a youtube channel no one no one ever does it's like unfollowing people on twitter you got to be a real asshole to get unfollowed yeah thank you matthew for the super chat here just to thank you for the coverage thank you matthew for the support all right thanks everyone for joining us we're back monday night following raw so we will speak with you then again thanks to all the calls tonight all of your feedback and that is it for our revolution review
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.